You are listening to the Pragmatic Christian Podcast with your host, Hayden Bruce. talk to a very good friend of mine, Drew Borowski. Drew helps me produce this show. Um, he's been a huge help, and I wanted to have him on to discuss our upbringings um, and to discuss Christian culture, specifically our um, specific Christian cultures that we grew up with, that we were exposed to. Um, things get a little uncomfortable at times in the conversation for both of us because I feel like it's the first time that we've both discussed some of these things in a reflective way after the fact, um, and we've both grown a lot. Um, so um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I will also say that this conversation took place very late in the night, so forgive the ramblings. Um, I hope it's still entertaining. This episode was also kind of an experiment because it's the first time that we um, recorded somebody uh, face-to-face in the same room, so we're experimenting with the technology. Um, so please bear with us with um, for any you know quality issues. We will um, update that, fix that, learn from it as we go. Um, Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I've gotten so much positive feedback already. Um, And if you want to support the show or continue to support the show, you can go over to iTunes, rate and review us. Um, You can go to our Patreon account and donate as little as a dollar a month. That will be in the show notes. Um, We want to do more uh, written content, possibly video content, and uh, future meetups. Um, So your support helps make all that stuff happen. Um, thank you guys again. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Without further ado, here is Drew Borowski. Um, this is worth looking up. The cast of Prince of Egypt, <laughs> I look it up at least once a month. <laughs> Just to be in awe. Michelle Pfeiffer. Helen Mirren. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I had no idea Sandra Bullock was in Prince of Egypt. This is the best Jeff Goldblum, movie. I did know. It's funny. The music's super catchy. I did not the, know Patrick Stewart. The animation's gorgeous. I didn't know Helen Mirren was in there. Steve Martin. Yeah. And oh, Martin yeah. Short. That's they were, right. They were the... By the power of... They're the wizards or the magicians. <laughs> Else. Depends on your reading of the accent. <laughs> I don't know. Ray Fiennes is Voldemort. I'm pretty sure they were wizards. Where is he? I don't when see Voldemort him. sent his evil dark wizards after Moses. What do you think is the best, um, like, biblical story movie out there, like, ever made? I mean, that one. I think it's that one. Like... I don't know. What are you going for? Like, what do you? Just I, what, period. Like, uh, biblical story. If you're looking like I don't know when people talk in the biblical sense, it's something that's mythic and monolithic and like just larger than life. But like, in a sense, it's history. It's truer than fact. It's what I, you know. Yeah. 
So, I mean, the passion's very self-contained. If you think, or it's actually, it's a very intimate and personal story. Like, this is something happening to one guy, and you're experiencing what he's experiencing. You know what? Out what? of all of the movies portraying biblical stories, I feel like the passion is the least supernatural. It's the least interesting, in my opinion. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't watch, I don't like watching someone get tortured, whether I care about them or not. I liked it a lot, but the last time I watched it was in youth group. Yeah, same. I remember crying my eyes out because here was a portrayal of my Lord and Savior mm-hmm. being whipped. And you should be crying your eyes out no matter who that is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's something deeply wrong if, like, I <laughs> like he sacrificed so much for me. Wait a second. He did so much for me. Look <laughs> at it first of all. <laughs> so you don't have to. That's what my dad told me. We're getting to dads later. But. I, I, that's so true. You should be crying your eyes out no matter no. who that is. So I remember, like, that was the first, I don't know about you, that was the first R-rated movie I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah, it was R-rated. I remember yep. that was a thing because I wasn't allowed to watch it at first. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I, well, you're like, yeah, I'm two years you're a couple of years older but, than I am. Um, first R-rated movie I've ever seen, Passion <laughs> of the Christ. That'll scar you. And I think the next one I saw was probably Schindler's List. I saw that in high school. Which is also very, like, like it's sad, but the part that stuck with me, besides the really great ending with Liam Neeson taking his ring off and talking about his, like, what he could have, what more he could have done, I just, I remember there, there's this scene where the Nazi main guy you're kind of following around is just a terrible person is living in a small bungalow in the concentration camp, and he can just rape whoever he wants. And I remember the scene starts with him waking up next to a woman and then grabbing his sniper rifle, walking out, shooting whoever walks by, and then going back to bed to rape this girl. I remember that. And, like, I remember feeling as emotionally distraught about that as I did with the passion. Actually, that one stuck with me... That wouldn't start with me more. I couldn't tell you much about the passion. What I remember most, I think, obviously I remember the story from Schindler's List. I remember the last scene, of course. It's iconic. Mm -hmm. The only other thing that's, like, a vivid image in my head is, (laughs) it sounds dumb, but there's a scene where they're, like, registering all the Mm. Jews, and, like, they're, like, all stripped down. They're all naked. Wow. And I remember um, being in, like, high school and, like, yeah, it was, like, kind of taboo. Like, I'm seeing penises, like, in school. Yeah. But, like, I remember how skinny everyone is. And, yeah, they're all mm-hmm. actors, but I just remember how, like, skinny all of them were and how, like, not sexual that was at oh, all. Oh, yeah. Like, like, we grew up, you know, where... Sex is you, taboo. Sex is taboo, but you, you're not allowed to watch anything with, like, any nudity because... That was the one rule. It was one of the rules. <laughs> well, you're not allowed to, like, see any nudity on TV or in movies because, like, it's a gateway to, like, fantasies or immorality, when, lust. And, and in reality, restricting such things kind of adds another level of... Yeah, but I remember... Gateway. Exactly. But I remember watching Schindler's List and watching the scene. And in yeah. the context of it, uh-huh. like, 
here's all these naked, yeah. like male, uh, malnourished, skinny, naked men and women, you know, who are Jews being registered mm-hmm. and they're being treated less than human, subhuman, and like, like. It like I like I got over the taboo factor like really quickly because yeah. it was like in context it's like this is just horrible. We're also used to when we see that we're used to people who are intentionally sexualizing, and this was the very much the op like. But you think that it would be like a um, like a uh, like an adjustment period where it's like I see it and then all of a sudden I have a lustful thought, but like not at all, and no. it goes to show like how contextual we are. And I was like, what? 15, maybe 16. Remember when Bethany and I made you watch Woodstock, the three-hour documentary? <laughs> like, the cameras were there. There's a scene. I don't, have you ever seen it? I don't remember. I don't think so. My dad, okay. You guys I, made me watch a uh, You might have fallen asleep. Yeah, we watched that, too. <laughs> Tommy, that, that's got nudity. I, I made you guys skip that scene. <laughs> With the acid queen. But in Woodstock, there's a scene where the camera just sits... On some people who are definitely having sex in the bushes. Mm-hmm. and But it's weird because the camera angle isn't... Inten- something about it is like intentional, intentionally not sexualizing the nudity. Even though they're like having sex, it's not made to look like appealing to me. Or like made to look sexy. Isn't it weird right. that that's a thing? So I... Actually, I think that was the first time I could ever say... I probably, that I saw, like, nudity, in fact, saw people, like, having sex, but I, I didn't find that appealing. But it wasn't made to look appealing. This is a documentary about people. In but you're the, also like, taught not to be appealed by them. <laughs> yeah, but I think, isn't it, it probably natural to? I mean. Well, yeah, yeah. of course it's natural to. Uh, biblical. Epic. Um, yeah, the passion's super personal. That's super existential. Like, here's this guy. Like, the whole entire movie takes place over, like, what, two days? It's a few hours, isn't it? A few hours? It's 12 hours. No, it's I think from, it's like a day or... It starts in the evening, the night before his crucifixion, and ends at the crucifixion. So here's two hours. Which was allegedly at 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Yeah, I mean, that's all documented. It's an 18-hour movie. <laughs> 18-hour movie. I mean, it's, an, it's a movie, you know, following this guy for two hours, leading up to his death, mm-hmm. knowing that it's going to be like that, and I like that it showed the anguish. I, I really like that it showcased the yeah. anguish of Jesus going to his death, not mm-hmm. like, like, here we go, like, <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, do this thing, become king, and rise yeah. up again, like... You know, I liked that. I liked that he had to have faith. Mm-hmm. I liked that. It was almost as if, and obviously we don't have all of his thoughts. That's mm-hmm. what good acting is: is you're getting all these things implied without the thoughts. And, um, but you ha- you get the sense that he's not even sure if he's going to rise up mm-hmm. on the third day or at all. Like it, 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 it's like he really knows he's going to it. it was, he's really he really knows he's going to something that's going to completely destroy him. It was too human. It was very human. In a good way. But I feel like that's why people liked it. But that's not like biblical in the greater sense would be you're working with uh with caricatures or you're working with like well, what's the word? You're working with like I don't know. It's like a type of character. Archetypes. Archetypes. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. You didn't really have archetypes, and you had a guy. You had a guy. 
But that is an archetype. That, that's, I mean, that, I mean, I haven't read too much of Jung, but I know that that is kind of Jungian um, psychology is that, like, we're all living out archetypes. Yeah. And so, like, this normal guy is living out the archetype. Which maybe that gives a whole other layer to the movie and why it was good, at least why I thought it was good, mm-hmm. is that here you see what looks like a just regular guy living out. When you're watching The Dark Knight before The Dark Knight Rises, too, in The Passion. So <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah, I'm reading Batman into Christ. <laughs> Always. When I, when I watch The Passion, I'm like, oh, this is the Batman archetype. <laughs> um, but, well, if you look at, like, Prince of Egypt or The Ten Commandments, did you, do you remember the Charlton Heston? I never watched this, but I know it. I've watched scenes on TV. Oh, it sure was two VHS tapes long. Was it really? Yeah, so like Sound of Music and like Great Escape and all those. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that one you're dealing with the two brothers, and in that one you're dealing with like God and the mountaintop, and you're dealing with like all these things. I don't know, and, and it's on such a grand scale. But maybe... That's why The Prince of Egypt worked so well, is that it's a cartoon. So you can literally have all the supernaturalism in it, not for a second. We're, like, not, you know, like, we're suspending disbelief, like, completely because it's a cartoon. It's like, we can take it all in. Those were the emotions that the Charlton Heston one elicited, I'm sure, when it first came out. That's why it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Hmm. I mean, you, the lightning and that fire in it were animated over colorized, like, whatever, but... I mean, what, whatever year it was, you know, 50 years ago this movie right. came out. But that blew people's minds. I'd have to see it. I guess I just haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on it too mm. much. But The Prince of Egypt was a good movie. Now, That was ben, a power cast. Did you see Ben-Hur? I haven't seen Ben-Hur. The original or, or the no. new one? There was a new one. Are you familiar with the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there was a new one maybe three, two or three years ago. I and... I thought it never came out yet. That's funny. No, it, it came out. And um, actually, my roommate and I, I took my roommate to see it. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go see this movie, Ben-Hur. And, and he saw the trailer. He knew it was a remake. He knew there were chariots involved. He's like, yeah, we're going to go see this action movie. And then he realizes it's a movie about a man who, like, everything's taken from him. And he's sold into slavery. And then Jesus is in it. And, like, redeems Jesus him. Jesus is in it? Jesus is one I of the characters it, I, I, thought it, I thought it took place after the death of Jesus. It's during and after. Oh, okay. He see, if I remember right, he actually looks up upon the cross in a scene mm. in both versions. But... I look over at my roommate, and he's just bawling. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what we were watching. <laughs> I thought it was Gladiator. <laughs> That's basically the story of Gladiator. It's a very, like, he had to forgive and, like, redemption and all mm. these things. It was a good, that was a good one. Biblical epics can be cool. Did you see Noah, Darren Aronofsky? That was very humanizing. Noah? Yeah. Is that another old movie? Darren Aronofsky's The Noah Film. Uh, remember when we went to Chicago, we were at that conference at the Allstate Arena, and they showed the trailer, and the trailer was totally pandering to Christians at this conference, because it had Kim Walker's Spirit Breakout playing over the trailer. You're talking about the Russell Crowe one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky, the guy who did the Black Swan made that. Well, I don't know a lot of directors' names, but... Uh, you're good. So, he also... What else did he... He did Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Uh, the Wrestler, all those things. He's really cool if you ever, like, get a chance to listen to him on a podcast. I liked him. Noah. You you saw it with Russell Crowe? I think you and I saw it together. 
Did we? Did not? we? I liked it. I think we did. I yeah. liked it. I, I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was like a masterpiece. Like it's. I liked that it was. I liked the scale it was on. Like I, I liked that the stakes were a big scale in a sense. Yeah. But like it was this very personal perspective of it. But that he had like the human doubts and he had the and a little bit of craziness. I like that he was actually like a little well, psychotic. Being put in that situation would make you psychotic. Yeah. You would want to kill like and probably took, kill your uh, family. Psych- I don't know. Psychedelics. And, yeah, uh, that's key. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, and then the Christians were up in arms. Uh, the only problem with that movie was the rock monsters. Isn't that in, like, the Book of Enoch or something? Yeah, but they're not rocks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was all prehistoric. Oh, I don't know about it. Maybe they are in the Book of Enoch. I have no idea. Well, I haven't it, read it. It was the Watchers. Yeah, the Watchers. are pop up in a lot of literature, but, it was, yeah, I think that was the Book of Enoch and some other... I mean, there is a reference in the Bible. It's about the... Like uh, the Don't say the N-word. Not yeah. that N-word. <laughs> the Nephilim? Don't say, the, don't say that word. I hate that word. Nothing good comes from that word. Not, any, not recently. <laughs> Nothing good Did you can. listen to that podcast with, uh, on the Bad, Bad Christian? Christian? Yeah. That was the worst thing I've ever heard. I think you and Chris told me about it, and I was like, I have to listen to this immediately. <laughs> like, and they're mating with like celebrities and politicians. I don't, do you remember his name? And, no, I don't want to. So we can't tell you guys the name, but imagine... Alex Jones meets what? Alex Jones meets who's that Infowars guy? That's Alex Jones. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cut this because I have control. I'm the producer, by the way. You see, not all Christians are uh, conservative, alt right, uh, whoever listens to it. I know. I heard someone reference Infowars earlier today. That's the only really? reason it was fresh in my mind. Dude, has been on. I don't. I mean, I'm sure they're not on the decline, but I have not heard like they have not been in the news lately. And like John Oliver talks about them a lot. Do that? Does he? I don't yeah. watch them that much. I mean, yeah. Like who is it? HBO. Who's the other guy? Bill Maher. Bill Maher will bring him up. But during the election cycle and like, <laughs> um, like leading up to it and even after for like probably. I don't know, maybe six months. Like, I feel like InfoWars, Alex Jones, like, was in the news. Like, was the news for a little while. And then, like, I feel like in the last couple of months, I haven't heard, like, him at all. You know, earlier today, I heard someone relate him to Jim Baker. Jim who, Baker. The televangelist. Is that the dad or the son? That's, I, I think it's the, it's the dad. It's the older one. Um, because... Alex Jones is his name? Yeah. Okay. He'll, like, su- create a problem... Like he'll fear monger and then sell you the solution, right? And like and and who was it was Jim Baker was selling like end of the world stuff. Crap, end yeah, of the was, world supplies. <laughs> like apocalypse. Are uh, they selling the are, same supplies? Like water bottles stuff. For, we'll like, give you your, different reasons. <laughs> your bunker stuff. Wait, I, so like, hold on. What if you're first of all, if you're watching Jim Baker, I'm pretty sure you're a Christian. Second of all, well, you'd have like to be. <laughs> the thing you're avoid the thing that he's trying to protect you from. Wouldn't that be something you'd miss out on because you were, like, raptured or something? <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely should be raptured. But then what's the point of buying his apocalypse food? <clears throat> well, now we're getting into, what is that, premillennial Yeah, but theology. which one's Jim Baker? Jim Baker's probably the left behind one. Yeah, he's that one. Yeah, so if you're buying this, you're clearly yeah, living think, a sinful life. But I think they believe that things are going to get worse up 
Until the rapture. That's the problem with all right? this stuff, is people who think things are going to get worse for, like, those reasons. Because like now it's, it's, like, self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> things are supposed to get worse and worse and worse, and then rapture, and then really bad, really worse than that, and then terrible, and then... There's a second shot? That's the left behind story. Is that What's the second, second shot? There's a second shot. That after the rapture, oh, the you 70. have a choice to, like, really repent. <laughs> like, not, but, like, but you can't kill yourself, and you have to survive seven years. Yeah, you're not allowed to kill yourself. You have to endure all the torture. This is a video game. You have to survive for seven years. With, you can't commit suicide, you can't. and it's going to be literal hell on earth because you missed it the first time. <laughs> That could be a video game. <laughs> what is? This sounds like you Ready could like go one. back to checkpoint every time. Like you could like kill yourself and go back to checkpoint. Respawn. Respawn in the beginning. What <laughs> is this? You have to. <laughs> well, hopefully, less people actually believe the Left Behind way than we think. I never read him. Did you? I mean, it's just what we were taught with the charts. Yeah. when we were kids. Seven years. So many then. charts. Yeah, I remember too many those. charts. I didn't. Li- I didn't read Left Behind, but. There was a time where my mom worked at a Christian bookstore in Texas, West Texas, and she would bring home the audio dramatizations. Really? Those, I remember crying at the end was because I thought it was those? really beautiful at the end when they like they were in heaven and they, they described... They like, actually get to heaven in those books? Yeah, they described that in the last one... I thought it was just like they just keep drawing it out. The second to the last one, I think there's like seven or eight books, and the second to the last one ends with... The glorious appearing of so God the last with a sword one. over his mouth. And then the last one is God dividing the sheep from the goats. They actually write all that and, out. And sitting on a throne <laughs> and, like, Jesus is, like, visible to everyone at once coming down from the sky. Like, no matter where you're looking. And, See, now I want to read And then, uh, no, listen to the audio dramatization. I'm telling you. Audible. Um, but how, there was this bit where, like, the people who had jobs who didn't die, who, like, made it to the end. Like, this guy came into his bakery or his butcher or his meat market, whatever, the next morning, and all the animals were already lining up for him because now they're holy. <laughs> now we're living in a new world order. So, wait, he's a, he's a butcher, and now his animals are coming to him yes. to be slaughtered? and they were happy about it. <laughs> like Noah? And everyone was in harmony, and... Because that's the proper order of things? I guess. It was very, uh, it got all Snow White. Yeah, I guess. Cinderella, whatever. I mean, wow. That is weird. I know. I think Frank Peretti wrote a, an angel book, too. This Present Darkness or Piercing the Darkness? That sounds, both of those sound right. I think Piercing. Isn't I mean, that, they were, the one one's about, a sequel. Okay. I think Piercing the Darkness is the one about, like, Lucifer and the angels and... I read a fourth of one of them, and it was. It was about, basically his Milton's Paradise Lost, right? I'm doing air quotes right now if you can't see me, but <laughs> it was uh, just a book about spiritual warfare. So, like. I'm oh, I thought you wrote it all out. doing the air quotes. <laughs> but, um, what was it? I remember bits about, like, a kid in college, and it was like Frank Preddy was writing the parts. Where it was like, this is a demon, and this is an angel, and they're fighting over this kid in college, and how it's influencing his life. So it was like Milton's Paradise Lost. It was more like the screw tape, tape letters. letters. See, I thought he like wrote it all out, like dramatized it and everything. Yeah, like, made up a story. Maybe he did, but I don't think it was Piercing the Darkness or This Present Darkness. No. 
I could be thinking of an entirely different yeah, you could Christian be. book. Yeah, and these books are ridiculous. Because I had a friend when I was a kid who like read it and was telling me about it, and I think my sister read about it hmm. and read it as well. Oh, my dad loved those books. Did you ever read any Frank Pretty books? The uh, I put one down halfway through, The Monster. I was, oh, I read Monster. I got bored halfway through and put that down. But one of my... For years, my favorite book of fiction was House. The House, whatever that Oh, I finished that. That was <coughs> I so that. crazy. He wrote, he co-wrote that with Ted Decker. That's right. Ted Decker is and on... And I read a, a couple of Ted Decker's books, but I don't remember. Them. Oh, Ted no, Decker I do. Ted Decker speaks at charismatic churches now. Oh, really? Yeah, like just he's an itinerant speaker now. I don't really know his background. I, don't, I didn't either. Because back then, if my parents allowed me to read someone, I just figured they were Pentecostal. Like, because that's what we were. So yeah. I was just like, oh, if my parents are giving, then this is just Christian. I never read Ted Decker other than House, which I guess he could You didn't read, like, the black, red, black white. red, white, and all those? You know what? And someone then, like, tried to showdown. explain it to me once. The black, red, white? Yeah. Someone tried to explain that. Those are that. really good books. And I said back to them, oh, I played that with my Legos. Like, I have come up with that story. Totally have come up with that story before. I don't believe you. I, oh, <laughs> of course I have. You know me. See, I have... I've gained... Much better taste in f- fiction and literature and stuff. I still swear by those books. Stephen, that sounds like a Stephen King book. It sounds like The Dark Tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think they're just as good as any Stephen King book. Black, Red, White, or anything by Ted Decker. The Black, Red, White, uh, Ted Decker. Books. You heard it. Here there's first. other Ted book. <laughs> there's other Ted Decker books that I wouldn't vouch for, but everything involved in that story mm-hmm. is pretty good. Peretti, I read The Visitation. And I, I'm going to do a confession right now. Okay. In fifth, cultural uh, when confession. I was, well, maybe when I was 15, we had to do a book report in my English class in Arizona, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, my my teacher was like, "What are you reading?" I was like, oh, "It's this book called The Visitation by this guy named Frank Pretty. He's Christian." I was so excited, mm-hmm. and um, it's like a book about a guy who claims to be the Antichrist. Maybe he claims to be Jesus. I forget. He crucifies himself somehow and comes back and, like, weird demonic things start happening in this town. And in the end, Jesus wins. But I thought that was too boring of an ending. Mm -hmm. And so when the teacher asked me to do the book report to her one-on-one, just tell her what happened in the book so she can prove I read it. You changed it? I could tell she was getting bored. And so I changed the ending so it would be way more exciting. And at the end, I had the U.S. government just nuke everyone. <laughs> and she totally believed me. But I need to repent for that right now. <laughs> so you had the apocalypse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus didn't win that one. <laughs> Jesus was taken down with the apocalypse. <laughs> well, she was never going to verify it. No, when I realized that, and I realized how bored she must have been. I I BS'd so many book reports and assignments. It's not even funny. I did not take school seriously in high no. school at all. Like, I hated school growing up. I I think I enjoyed being there. I didn't. I wanted to no, be out. You were, you're like every that. single second of it. I mean, <laughs> every, I think I've always been. I've never been a morning person. I've never no, me liked getting up early in the morning to mm. do anything. Like even now, like I lately, I have been. And I get up. I'm disciplined. I go to work, but like it takes. Like I'm groggy for mm. like a couple hours, and like coffee helps. I could have a sleep thing, but 
like school just I mean there's all sorts of I don't know if there's studies, but there's a lot of people that are, like, um, that are against, like, how early, like, school is. That, like, oh, if you, yeah. like, there, okay, there are uh, studies showing that, like, if you, like, SAT sto- scores, like, if you just do them, like, two hours after hmm. what, when they normally do them. They get just, higher scores? Yeah, they get higher scores. And, like, I got terrible scores. And, huh. like, I remember being. You took the SAT or the ACT? You took the I ACT. You, no, I had to take them both. You did? I only took the ACT. I think I took them both. But I think I am speaking about the ACT okay. right now, but I am pretty sure I took them hey, both. Hey, when did... You went to Lance Cruz. When did your school day start? What time? Not what time did you wake up? What time did, like, first bell I think ring? it started at... First bell... You're supposed to be there at 7, and then first bell was at, like, 7.10. Really? Yeah, you had to be in class. So in Arizona, school. for me, it started at 8.30. Oh, wow. And then in... Midland, Michigan, it started... I went to three high schools. It started at 7.30. Still better than I think Arizona 7, knew. 7.10. I think they knew. I had to be up at like 6. But Arizona doesn't participate in daylight savings time, so half the year that was hell. Yeah. Half the year that was 7.30, and I hated that. <laughs> Dude, that's when I lived with. It was horrible. I remember just, like the first class of... No matter what my first class was, like in the four years of like high school... Mm. I was just like, whatever you say right now is going in one ear and out the other. I had anatomy at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> I could not do that. I loved it. That was my favorite class. Did you you did you did walk to school? I mean, you, uh, you could totally I walked walk home to from school. school. I took the bus a couple times. Yeah. Uh, so this is just high school. I took the bus a couple times. And then I had my dad because he went to work at the same time I was going to school so he would drive me there and then I would walk home because I was I was only like a mile away yeah that's right like a mile and a half away. I picked you up from school once and then we got pulled over in my parents van we did yeah in the blue Honda Sil- or oh Honda yeah Silhouette or whatever I remember that real. yeah I, I was just like did you have to pay that ticket I thought you said you were out of like from out of town I, I think he like let me by but I was just like hey I'm, I'm just in this mom van picking my friend up from school he's like oh okay that's so surprising. Because in that area, although I will say that the cops in that area are actually like the only good encounters I've had with them have, have with cops have been in that area. Really? Yeah, I've had terrible encounters. Like you have? Yeah, I have. I remember. I also got pulled over there once. Just be. Were you in the car with me and and when that cop pulled K-Fact. us over and said? Hey, I'm pulling you over because you were coming out of a known drug area. <laughs> I don't think I was. <laughs> we were on our way to your house or something. I'm having a fun time picturing you and Well, one of out of those three people, one of them had an ankle thing on. So <laughs> <That's and>. a... <laughs> Really? Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> Don't say people's names. We're gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> he wet himself. It was great. No. That's crazy. I didn't yeah, know he had yeah. thing on. <laughs> Stop saying names. True. We're just gonna bleep all these out. I don't know if we know how to do that yet. I think we can, I think we can figure it Insert out. Insert something. <laughs> no, I wasn't there for that. But I was. Dude, we got pulled over so many times. I. Chris has been pulled over. Not as much as you. No, not as much as me. <laughs> Out of all of us. I got pulled over in my driveway a few months ago. What? What? A few months ago. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, I guess we can just say that you live in Detroit. Like, yeah. Inside so, of Detroit. The I city do. of Detroit. West side of Detroit. Uh, Dexter and Joy, which if anyone, people are scared when I say Dexter and Joy. It's so weird. I, we could, let's uh, just talk. Well, talk, tell me about why you got pulled over in your driveway. So It doesn't in, surprise me. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, so the, in my Neighborhood, I mean, there's, like, trap houses and, like, drug dealers and all this stuff. And, I mean, I kind of grew up with, like, my dad was a pastor who would, like, who would go to drug houses and bring them pizza. And sometimes they threaten his life, but most of the time he would just sit with them and talk to them. And a lot of them got saved. And my dad ended up doing some of their funerals just because, like, he had this profound impact on their life. And some of them never even went to church, but they called him pastor. Mm-hmm. And, like, seeing that kind of fearlessness, I don't know, like, the people in the trap houses down the street from me are, seem really nice, and you just wave and smile and whatever. But one thing I've been figuring out is, like, there are police all over, but they aren't, I mean, but I'll, and I'll see people, um... Like, driving by these houses, doing their thing, and driving on. But the police aren't stopping that. I think they have to have probable cause or something to, like, actually do that, something like that. So they, I think their strategy seems to be just you'll pull people over for traffic violations and get them for whatever else they're doing. Right. It, It seems to me that's the thing. And so... I was maybe a block from my house. I, I really late at night, rolling stop at a stop sign. I end up getting into my driveway, and a cop pulls into my driveway with his lights on. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but yeah. Anyway, so what did he say? Oh, he just like, hey, you, you get back in the car. I had groceries. In oh, my you hand got out of the car, car but he didn't know it was your. It's house. my driveway. Yeah. I'm in the back of my house now. Yeah, out of my car with my groceries. And in he my thought hand. you were like trying to get away from him, probably. With groceries in my hand. Well, he just saw you pull into a house <laughs> right. into the back. Oh, maybe it might look like you're trying to hide. Yeah, well, everyone else on my street on my street scattered <laughs> when the yeah when uh, little old me. What did he say? What did he pull you over for? Uh, rolling stop at a stop sign. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did. Did he give you a ticket? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that sucked. Because I've always heard... I've So, I've always heard... I, uh, I've always heard that, like, speeding, like, just random traffic stuff, you're not going to get in trouble for by, like, a cop. You're not going to get pulled over for it. But what you're saying makes more sense because you are in an area where they're probably... A known drug area, as known the Mount Clemens dr- police would call it. <laughs> like, he... And if he does pull you over, he probably has to, like, do something. He has to, like, follow through with... Sure. ...what it is that you did wrong. Because you actually did it. He's mm-hmm. got it on the cam. Yeah, yeah, they've got their body cams. No, he's got a car cam. They also have a car cam. The Detroit police have body cams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because elsewhere, like, people run reds and different... If there's no one around and, like... In Detroit, people do all day. People do things all the time in Detroit and, like, you don't get pulled over. But they think that, like you said, it's a known drug area. Have you seen, like, lots of cops in your, your, like, neighborhood specifically? Well, there's quite a few NPOs, neighborhood police officers, who deal more with... 
they're the nicest people in the world. And they're POs. I don't think I've ever heard that term. Yeah, that's what they call themselves in the neighborhood meetings. But they um, they tend to deal with like blight, or like if you're making a complaint, or if like kids are playing basketball on the street and you don't like it. Or, I don't know. So they're they, more they relations. Like, they're the PR guys. <laughs> they're the like they are the personal relations people for the Detroit police. That's kind of cool. But then there's also like SWAT and drug yeah. and like yeah, and bomb, and bomb squad. Every like main city has like all of the dude. Who was it during uh during a few months ago? I was with my family. Detroit's a really cool place. Like. I don't know. Chicago's got more violent crime. Detroit, like, the violent crime is mostly on the northeast side, which people don't go there. But, man, if you're in Detroit, you're probably safe. Like, just, I'm going to say that right off the bat. It's a beautiful place. A lot I've never felt unsafe being yeah. in Detroit. And I, I see people all the time who are just baffled. Like, I thought this was going to be scarier, but I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> but, what was it, a few months ago, we saw the... Bomb squad, SWAT, like helicopters, all converging in. Oh, really? On the DIA. They're, oh, it was so sad and crazy. We just heard gunfire at the back of the DIA, and people started stampeding down Woodward, running away. Did you ever get a story on it? Yeah, uh, someone was shot. Um, well, there was a shooter. There was a shooter, and someone was rushed to the hospital. That's what. That's what it was. Um. Um, it was on the, they call it, whatever the light night is, or like, maybe it's, it's like around Christmas or something, and, de-electricity, it was during de-electricity, they just have like, really cool lights, and, but, it was the weirdest thing, seeing crowds panic, run for about 50 feet, stop, and then like, some kids would, like, be silly and freak each other out and start running, and then the whole crowd would start running because these kids were running. Right. And, like, if you saw anyone in your peripheral... It was almost as if this crowd was an organism, and they're seeing everyone in their peripheral vision... They're like, this is what we're doing. And it's like, oh, we're doing this now, okay! And you just start stampeding, and then you stop. And then, like... But, man, like, people could have gotten trampled. It was a, that was a wild thing. When was that? Uh, it was during what's called de-electricity. It was a few months ago. It just up and down Woodward, uh, different exhibits and different... And the craziest thing is we were inside the DIA, and cops start rushing in with guns drawn. Yeah. Because there was another event. Clearing the room. There was another event. I thought it was in winter. I thought it was there, um, like... Um, I can't remember the... I can't remember the name, but basically they open up all the museums. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what you're calling it, de-electricity? Maybe that was the promoter. What? What did they call them? It was Noel Night. Noel it was during Nights. Noel yeah, Night. I was there. Were you? Where yeah. were you? I was at... Um, de-electricity is very similar, but at a different time of year. Yeah, I was at, I was at Noel Nights. I was at... Um, you were at Hopcat. Hopcat, yeah. I was, oh, I was I texting was you. Not even, not even... I was a couple blocks away from there. You were. Yeah, we walked by. Yeah, and we were like like about to leave Hopcat to go there <laughs> to go to go where that happened. Did you see all the? I mean, where you were sitting, I bet you could have seen like giant SWAT vehicles driving by and helicopters in we, the air. Well, we ended up staying in the restaurant longer than we had planned. We were just hanging out in there, so hmm. we had no idea any of this was happening. And then 
my sister, because we were there for her birthday, and then um, <laughs> she right. started getting, like, being on Facebook. She was on Facebook, and then she started seeing, like, like statuses and stuff. Like I, I bet she was freaked out. Well, they were just like, we got to get home to, like, the kids. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of, yeah, that was crazy. I remember there were tons of cops out, but I just thought that they were out for the event. But yeah, I they do, were out for the event, but they were out. For they the started event. congregating around the DIA in large bulletproof vehicles <laughs> after the shooting. That's when I knew something had happened. I knew something had happened when they stormed the Renaissance part of the DIA, the Institute of Arts Museum. Yeah, we're standing under a picture of the Virgin Mary, and yeah. I see cops with guns drawn bursting in. And if I remember the outcome of that story correctly that was just like a random thing it wasn't like a violent crime it wasn't like someone wasn't like shooting at someone specifically i think it was like literally like a random thing Hmm. where it's like someone did have a gun people were getting rowdy and then like a gun went off yeah like i think that's how it ended someone did go to the hospital but well yeah there were thousands of people congregated Hmm. in the same area yeah i see what you're saying like, I don't think the person that was in the confrontation got shot. I think a random oh. person got shot. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, That man. was a long time ago. So we both <laughs> dodged death. <laughs> I mean... But that's how a lot of people view Detroit. And you live there. You live right in the heart of it. And it, that... Man, I live in the area where you'd think something like that would actually happen. And, it, and I mean, things like that do happen over there. But it's... I don't know. It's not what people think it is. I read an awesome book called How to Live in Detroit Without Being a Jackass. Oh, was that from Ben? I gave it to Ben. Okay, Ben tried to give it to me. And then, <laughs> really? Yeah. I gave it to Ben because I was planning on moving in with you, remember? And then I bought it. Were you? I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I was never told that information. So I bought it because I had read a, um, I think I read a article by the guy that wrote it, um, mm. Aaron Foley. Mm-hmm. I read an article, he was talking about, uh, I think he was talking about Chicago, no, he was talking about New York, he was talking about, like, gentrification and stuff, and yeah. I saw that he wrote a book, and it was about Detroit, and he was mm-hmm. from Detroit, so I was like, oh, cool, I want to read this. So, I bought it, I gave it to Ben, he gave it to you, apparently. No, he tried to. Oh, he then... tried to. That's a really funny book. I bet. I didn't end up, it never ended the whole up thing, in my hands, unfortunately. The whole thing is, like, don't be... Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a white jacket. Yeah. It's basically the whole premise. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, if you're there, like, if you're nice, people will be nice. Yeah, say hi to people and be a good neighbor in general. Just, yeah, and you, like, don't you, like, hang out with the kids on your street and stuff? There's, like, a after-school program down the street, and, like, I don't know, like, you sit and read with kids, and you sit on the porch, and people just kind of you say hi or start talking to you while they're walking by and end up hanging out, and I don't know, anything could happen. Like, but it's, like... Bro, I, I had this conversation with someone earlier. Being in the suburbs, like, you might not have your... Your world is going to extend as much as you want it to, mm-hmm. which might not be very far at all. No. And then you're going to try and protect your thing, whatever that is. I, I, this might be a generalization. But, like, I don't know where I am. Like, I could stay in my house all day or I could sit on my porch. And, like, people kind of expect you to be na- a good neighbor. Uh, yeah. Or a neighbor, you have neighbors. Be a neighbor. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I that's something that I've always wanted. I've always wanted to like branch out more. But like my entire life, I grew up on a street with people forty to fifty years older than me. Yeah, and 
You didn't I, have kids across the street you'd run over? I, no, I never had any kids. Okay. They were streets away, but they were all like a clique. Like, they were all like really uh, close friends, and I was like outside. That was where group. their world was. Exactly. And mine was not. So, like, I stayed indoors a lot, and then I hung out, you know, on our property. But, like, I didn't, like, hang out with anybody, like, on mm-hmm. the street. And I, like, we did have this neighbor where I was picking up pine cones for him and getting paid $5 a bucket. $5 a cone. <laughs> but then that got ruined because I had a friend who started doing it with me. And, that like, he wanted to get in on it. And then, like... <laughs> That's a racket. The, the, guy, the guy's like, I'm doing this for you. Like, you're my neighbor's kid. Like, you can't just start bringing your friends over. I'm going to start shoveling out money. That's how you lost a friend. That's how I lost a, a neighbor. That <laughs> and that was the last time I ever talked to a neighbor. Oh no! No, and then I got this house. And I talked to my neighbor, and he the only, he never comes up. But the uh, the only time I t- talked to him, he told me about this like super cool um, tool shop. Yeah, uh, tool shop, tool store. Okay, it's like like every and he's not the only person, but him and like dozens others have like been dozens like, oh, of us. Have you gone to this place? It's old school. That's always how they. The, it's an Is old. Is it Durrani Hardware? No. On nine and no, I can't even remember Kelly? the name. Of okay. It. I can't remember, but if I heard it, I'd recognize it. I wonder if Durrani Hardware is still there. That was where I grew up, Nine and Kelly. I guess it's just like you go there, and the guy's been there for like years, and like you ask he him. He knows yeah, his he tools. Kno- he knows his tools. He knows his like stuff. Like he we, knows we, we went there to get hands. our um, our like drain cleaner for like our Good. like uh, clean out and everything because we had like roots coming into our. Wait, like you guys use like Drano type thing or no? It's called Rudo, Rudo Two. It's like the most heavy duty. Isn't that just acid? Basically, <laughs> you throw that down there. <laughs> how old are your pipes? Uh, these pipes? I mean, I don't know how old the pipes are. I'm guessing they came when the house came. So how like fifties, fifties. Okay. No, this house was built in the sixties. If I used something like that in my house in Detroit, it would destroy the, it. the pipe. I have been told by way too many people like don't do anything with them. The pipes will like since they're a hundred year old pipes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you're using it's like hydrochloric acid or something. Right. Like it, it just eats through, and it always goes to the lowest point. Well, your, it runs to the lowest yeah. place, and then it'll just drip to the next lowest thing, and then drip to the next lowest thing. Well, your pipes are probably through. all what metal? Well, I replaced them all with packs. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it's just tube now. Yeah. So and talk more about like why did you buy that house? Period. And like, because you did not spend much money no. on the house, <laughs> or, gonna, or buying the house. We're gonna get into some things with this. Um. <laughs> so. Oh man, uh, two years ago, almost exactly. Yeah. Which is so cool. Um, I was with this girl, and we used to just drive around Detroit and like pray, like pray to God, like just God show us things. God like open our eyes to thing, like just amazing things. And I don't know, like whatever you're praying with or to, that seems like a good thing to yeah, have in your head. Like open my eyes to what's in front of me in ways that I haven't known before. You yeah. know. And um, I remember driving through Detroit on the west side. I didn't know what was west and east at the time. And I'm in a neighborhood, and I just all of a sudden it went from blight to some of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen. Like 100-year-old houses with slate roofs, these mansions, just crazy stuff. And every, like, fourth or fifth house was abandoned or blighted. It was the weirdest thing to see. 
And then you, I'm driving down this street, and you would look down, like, the cross streets, and all the houses on the, like, a good chunk of the houses on those cross streets were abandoned. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, it's just this one street, and everything seems to be so block by block. Like, it seems like it's more of an, like, things are more abandonment issues in some ways than, like, violence or crime or... You know? Yeah, just and, a lot of, like, abandoned houses. Yeah, and, like, nothing's going on when there, where there's abandonment, really. I mean, I don't know. But I, I remember just looking around, seeing that for the first time, and in a way that was really profoundly affecting me. And I feel like I heard, like, the, I feel like I heard God say the, about these houses, um, the bones are all there, all that's needed is the breath. Mm-hmm. You can take that however you want to take that. But for me, it was like there's this structure that's standing, and it it needs the life in it. It needs the yeah, life. Yeah, it's a reference it. to Ezekiel, be, the yeah, Valley of Bones, the Valley of Dry Bones. That's right, and and the sinews <laughs> and all those just flesh starts appearing when life gets breathed into things. Yeah, like so, I I just thought you know what, like how cool would it be to have a house over here and like. What would life going back into an abandoned thing look like? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it looks like being a neighbor. It would look like being a neighbor, and it would look like being a friend to people, and like just being in community. You're not trying to change anything. You're yeah. just like in community with people, and it changes you. It changes them. I don't know because that's the nature of relationship. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, so about ten days later, I had a house about two blocks from there (laughs) (laughs) on a block that is probably a fourth abandoned, and that. but the houses are just stunning. I have a hundred-year-old home that, oh gosh, we worked on, man, like we redid all the floors and all the plumbing and all the electrical and all the heat, and so like, because things go wrong fast, and everything worked when I got it, I swear. But then it started. But then, it's, but then, like a week or two later, you start to move some of the pipes around, and it was so crazy. But you had a what got things. me through that was good neighbors. Yeah, neighbors who knew how to do things I didn't know how to do. No, who showed me not. how to do things. <laughs> who had the resources? Like, there's a point where it's like, well, I have the money, <laughs> like. To get a new water heater or to get a new, like, whole electrical system for my house. I mean, I don't know how to put this thing in. And just neighbors showed up. Yeah. And that blew my mind. That absolutely blew my mind. I wasn't in church at the time either. And, uh, like, I had a really hard time finding, like, a church community down there for, like, at least four or five months. Yeah. But in that time, like... I felt like I was getting that with neighbors and with the people and with, man, I could not believe what was coming, people coming out of the woodwork that I wouldn't have expected helping. Yeah. That was an amazing thing. Um, I remember the water boiler going out or something. Yeah, and that one was uh, in, that one was like a year ago, the boiler blew up. Yeah. So like the house, oh gosh. It was like a furnace that, like a coal furnace that got converted into a boiler. Yeah. And it worked for one winter and then tried to start up for the next winter and it blew up. <laughs> like out the back. Crazy. Jeez. Yeah. And there was, man, there was water flying out of radiators and <laughs> crazy stuff going on and then we mopped up and 
I was out of town. It was during the election. I blame the election. I blame the election. No, it was like during, yeah, it was when Trump got elected. That's crazy. And I came back and I'm like, all right, now it's time to get the heat in. <laughs> so that's a thing. But, yeah, crazy stuff. But a local church helped you get a new one, didn't they? Yeah, that was after the plumbing. That was after the electrical. Yeah, so when the with the heat, when that boiler blew up, um, at that point, I had found a local church to to call my home, yeah. family, community, and um, just people in that church ended up coming together and donating whenever they could. And man, that, I'm so thankful for that because I would have been so stuck, you know. Yeah, and this is a really cool thing. And like, I'm in a lot of uh, Facebook groups and different groups that like to discuss ideas and argue and stuff. Um, and religion comes up on a regular basis and stuff. And, like, I am, like, I will give, like, anything, like, a really fair shot. And, like, I will criticize religion in so many ways. And I do because it's, like, I'm going to give people good points. It's, mm-hmm. like, if you have a good point about something, I'm going to give it to you because it's, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and, like, I'm never over here just trying to defend religion for the sake of defending religion. Like, I think that religion should... um live and die by its own merits Mm -hmm. and not by, you know, anyone, you know, desperately trying to revive something or keep something going. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I always bring up is that like, no matter, no matter how good of these points, how, no matter how good these points are, no matter how many things I have wrong or how many problems I have with like organized religion and even Christianity, which I consider myself a Christian, like, I consider myself part of the group, Um, like, no matter how many problems I have, like, some of the best people that I know, some of the most giving, the nicest, the most loving, selfless people I've ever met have been Christians. It's amazing. And, like, they attribute it to they're Christianity. They do. And, like, it's not like, uh, I'm a Christian, so I have to do this thing. It's no. a, I want to share what I've gotten from, you know, from this thing. Isn't that what good community does? And, okay, whether you're... Yeah, it's like you're, a pay it forward. Total, yeah. Well, and whether you're, whether you have a good or a bad view of organized religion, whatever you think of, first of all, whatever you think of whenever you hear the phrase, whatever first comes to mind when you hear the phrase organized religion, like... Let's say that's a, cir- a circle, and, like, what you think of is inside the circle. Okay, but there's something outside the circle, and there's personal stories and things that, like, are not accounted for in that thought and in that circle. Yeah. And, man, there's so much good Well, that's the thing about... That. <laughs> that's... Because I hear a lot of people, a lot of Christians, too, that are like, oh, I... I'm against religion, I'm for relationship, or I'm against organized religion. Like, organized religion gets a really bad rep. Like, something about organizing. <laughs> like, people just, like, get really antsy. They don't like it. They get nervous. But, like, your boiler went out, and people had to organize yeah. in order to, like, fix that problem. <laughs> like, problems don't get fixed individu- like with individual people. Like, it takes really rare people. Mm-hmm. And even when individuals do accomplish things on their own, it usually takes a lot of unnamed people in the process. And a lot of times these are stories you don't hear. Yeah. But these things happen. They come around communities and... Our communities coming around people. And like, even, like, geniuses who, you know, 
came up with like a new invention. I mean, think of like Steve Jobs or like you know some person that came up with some great invention that like took off. Like when the church fixed their boiler. Yeah, <laughs> like they had friends, mm-hmm. they had teachers, they had people who are all contributing to this person's success. But like we don't hear about their names, and it's like the success you had in the house that you bought. Mm-hmm. In a place that a lot of people criticized you for getting. I don't yeah. know if you heard them directly, but I have. Have you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. I've heard so many people be like, he's crazy. Like, why the heck would he... Who? <laughs> don't say names. <laughs> oh, that's I'll, I'll blink it to you. <laughs> All right. In Morse code. No, but, like, people are like, he's crazy. Like, why would he get that house? Like, I'm sure that's not surprising to you. Well, if I was... Like, I'm not sure who these people are or what they're thinking, but, like... I don't know. If you get a house as an investment, okay, like, you're going to invest in the... What are you looking to get in return? Like, what's crazy is in, like, in, uh, in, let's say, westernized Christianity, like, or in in the Western world, what you're going to get, what you're trying to get in return is, like, you're going to try and get money, you're going to try and get stuff, you're going to try and get things, but... Like, I don't know, Christianity in its purest form, like, is an economy of mercy and an economy of, like, people. Some people would say, like, souls. Like, we're winning souls and blah, blah, blah. But no, like, I don't know, if, like, relationship is the prize, if real community is the prize. I know when I try to, when people ask me, like, why I moved down there, it's like, part of it, or where I live specifically, it's part of it's to destigmatize the area. Mm-hmm. I'm okay and have never felt unsafe even when there was a fire mm-hmm. next door. <laughs> oh, even yeah. when the house next door was set on fire <laughs> by gangbangers. <laughs> like I uh, one of the room one of my roommates came in, "Hey Drew, the house next door is on fire. We should go." <laughs> and I grabbed my dog and my passport. I don't know why. <laughs> and 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 I, if I've learned anything, it's like the things you're willing to save in the fire are like the things that really matter in life. And I had my friends, and I had my passport. I don't know why I had my passport. I actually stopped to make some Arnold Palmer, and then grabbed my dog and went outside. <laughs> and I don't know, like if I cared about, I don't know, of course I care about material things to an extent, I'm sure. But like the people who are baffled are baffled maybe because they have the wrong idea of what's important in yeah. life or just I mean, those, a different view of what's important. It, maybe it's not wrong. I don't know. I mean, those every single person I've ever heard criticize you going down there have been people that live in, uh, like, the suburbs. <laughs> like, like that is a thing where you it's You want to like, protect what you have. And you want to protect. protect your own, like, ideal of, like... No, this is what we do. This is our culture. This is. Hey, I'm retired. I was retired for a minute. I had a house. I had a dog. I was unemployed. <laughs> I. It felt like retirement. I felt like I had lived. I felt divorced at one point. <laughs> <laughs> like I had lived a fuller life. But then, no. I think you were going for a fuller life, though. I think you were looking for an adventure. I mean, yeah. you had never you had never done anything like that before. Huge adventure. You've never bought a house. No. But you went to a place that, like, most people would be like, why would you do that? And you had to rebuild it, a lot of it, and make new connections, mm-hmm. make new friends. Like, that's something that a lot of, like, and that doesn't even all sound that bad. That doesn't even sound no. that difficult. But 
to a lot of people, that's like too scary to even try or to consider. Isn't that kind of crazy that but something like that? Someone has to do it so that other people can say, wait, you can do that? Or that's possible? Or maybe like you can you can be friends with those people, you can live in that area, you can um, uproot everything. I don't know. But I've always I've always looked up to you for being that guy because I've always been a lot more introverted. You've always been a lot more extroverted. Like I'm not the person that's gonna like go up and talk to a stranger like wherever I am. And like that's like your MO. If you're not talking <laughs> to like a new person around you, like I'm, I'm something's not, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> something's wrong. Pray for me if I'm not. <laughs> yeah, like if you're too quiet, then I'm like, Oh, I gotta I gotta Someone's about to die. Someone's about to die. <laughs> you're usually upset. <laughs> But I, huh. I've always appreciated that about you, and like we've been friends. Oh God, how long? Ten, I, I counted the other day. What's well, ten years? Easter, ten years, two thousand eight. Easter of two thousand. No, it's Easter two thousand nine. Easter two thousand nine. I walked up to you at Cinco Shores Assembly of God. We started talking about showbread, which is a oh, yeah. post emo metal band something and the Christian something. I do remember that first meeting. And then I invited myself over to your house. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I was from out of town visiting for one day. <laughs> I lived and you were with your family. You I lived three, on Easter. Three, lived three hours north. I'm going to your house today. <laughs> That's funny. And, like, I thought, I mean, you were so novel to me. And I was just like, sure. Like, let's hang out. Yeah, I wonder... You were in high school. Yeah. I just I was just about to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. What was novel? I was a preppy kid from Midland. Uh, yeah, you were preppy, but you knew a lot about music. I remember us um, uh, bonding over just names of bands. Yeah, you were going showing me your AP magazines and every band you wrote. <laughs> you wrote down the name of every single band and then torrented every single one of them. <laughs> Good thing podcasts are free. Yeah, I looked up every single band. I googled every band. Every band I didn't know or didn't like, or every band I didn't know and liked, I would torrent and then listen to. (laughs) I had, my dad was so mad at me because I had so many viruses on the computer from (laughs) torrenting music. He's like, (laughs) oh my gosh. I don't know how I, I, I did get one eventually. What? From that. Oh, virus. I caught the torrents. I caught the torrents. Um, but yeah, we met at that church where both of our dads went yeah. to years ago. Our dads did, like, would go out and, like, preach to people together. Mm-hmm. I think it was your dad and, like, maybe Joey D and my dad. Yeah. Would, like, go to a Ozzy Osbourne concert and, like, fake wait in line. And, like, stage conversations about Jesus from, like, far away. Just yell them across people's heads. I didn't hear those stories. All I heard is that my dad went to those concerts. I didn't hear about all that. Hey, Dennis, Dennis, I found Jesus. (laughs) Oh, what's that like? It's it's better than drugs, man. (laughs) In line for a concert they didn't have tickets to. (laughs) And that was, like, 80s uh, evangelism. I guess. They were creative. 80s, 90s. Maybe they were creative. They did a skit, basically. 
<laughs> yeah, they did. They did a, uh, uh, a <laughs> what is it called? What are, what are the Christians call it? A movement? No. Is what the Baptists call it a movement. We call it a human video. <laughs> a human video. They did a human video. <laughs> That's the dumbest name for something. I know. But at least it's not a movement. That Because they're never videoed either. A movement is something else. <laughs> I'm having a movement. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, I'm thinking about that. So we met at that church, which I had just started going to. I had, I had, grew, I had grown up in another church. Okay. But then we had learned that day, maybe even, that... We that like our dads knew each other, and that we actually went at to that church as like babies. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, we were in the nursery together. Yeah, and we didn't know that. And then our dads, our parents were both at the same church, and they're both like leaders in their youth group. Mm. Yeah. How do, I remember there being something like they had like a disagreement, like they were like friends in like the youth group, and then oh, the early nineties disagreement, or yeah. the late eighties disagreement. Is that yeah. what it was? No, so there is apparent. Uh, apparently, there was a huge thing where I remember hearing about like my dad and a bunch of his friends had religious reasons to believe a religious conviction. Mm-hmm. That they could not listen to music that had a beat. Because in the late A beat? A beat. Because in the late 80s... Or drums. See, I thought it was a drums thing. They they would say with a beat, but drums were a big part of it. And I don't even know what the backing is. I don't know what their reasons were. But in the late 80s, there was some sort of preacher who said and wrote books. His name was Bill Gothard. Look it up. I haven't looked it up because it's not worth my time. <laughs> Who said that any music with a beat was of the devil. All right. And so... So this would be rock and roll. Yes. Disco. So my dad... My, my dad probably broke all his records way before this. Oh, really? But, like, yeah, I know... Yeah, because he was, like, a, he liked, like, The Who and, oh, like, yeah, YouTube. Did. Yeah, not until he... But after he got saved, he definitely... Get through all that out. That my, was like my dad did too. Connection. That was like a big thing. Is like destroying all your albums. Yeah, and probably. I mean, maybe there's something there because it's old life and you identified so. Yeah, much it's like with a that. symbol, symbolic. Sure. Um, but did your your dad was never into the Gothard thing? Mm, I mean, they probably butted heads. I don't think I knew that. that name. Yeah, I mean, my well. So what I remember from is that why they your, is that why your dad ended up at the other church. No, they ended up at the other church for a different reason. Okay, anyway. But no the Gothard thing, my dad, so your dad must have listened to this Gothard guy, and then him and others joined that, like, idea, that, like, that weird idea that, like, I had heard being a thing. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure there's people today that still think the same thing. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. But then my dad, I remember my dad being in a band. He was in a band with, like, some other dads oh, yeah. and friends. All the dads. All the dads. No, really. They were on this band and like they were in like this like hair rock band that was a Christian band. And so like every song was about like, oh, dude, not. What was the band called? I hope my dad never hears this because <laughs> I should know the name. I forget the name. Uh, oh my God. When I met you, that's all he talked about. I know. I hope they never hear this because, like, I should know that. That'll be like a family like embarrassment if I like can't remember. I just remember there being songs about like uh, "Say No to Sin." I think that was one of the songs. "Say No to Sin." Oh my god, I can't remember the name. 
It was about that button on your calculator. That's a sin. Yeah, that was a, it was a math joke. No, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a math joke. <laughs> it was a no, pretty high-minded math joke. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get an advanced trig. <laughs> no, but my dad was in like a hair rock band that I'll edit the right name into later. Um, and It wasn't called Powerhouse? No. <sighs> uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Text him. It's. <laughs> I don't think he's. A, he, well, he might be awake. I just. Oh my god! It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm not gonna t- waste time thinking about it. It'll come to me. But oh my god, it's right there. I don't even want to move on because it's right there. Anyways, go on. So he he was in this rock band. He played bass. Yeah. In this rock band, and like they would go around and they would like do Christian rock oh, shows cool. and stuff, and like I think they would like give a little message and stuff, but they would play like random shows and churches and random stuff like that. I think they did it for like a couple of years. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how long they did. It. So my dad was like a rocker. So your dad was a gothard. It's like a rocker, but can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> So they disagreed on that. Yeah. How did? How long was your parents there? Because they eventually left. I don't know if they left. We left or... that church in the mid nineties. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I I couldn't tell you why, but I just know there was another somebody who got a church. But by that time, my dad was okay with beats, mm-hmm. so it didn't have to do with that. Um. Yeah, it's really interesting, because thinking back, like, yeah, okay, there was a time where my dad believed that, and then, like, okay, so, like, personally, when I'm thinking about faith, I'm thinking about, and like, personal faith, I'm thinking about, like, all the things that I once believed that maybe I don't, or that I don't believe that now, I, or I didn't believe that now I do, or, like, it just kind of fluctuates, I don't know, on any given day, I might believe something different, honestly. But I mean, there's a lot of those things that I used to believe. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Completely. And so, like, my dad didn't believe that he, drums were a good thing. He believed they were the devil at one time in his yeah. life. My dad broke all his records, but, like, we'll listen to The Who together now. And, like, my favorite band is U2 because he showed me... He he started off by showing me an album of Christian artists singing U2 songs. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, but then, I, so, like, I have things like that in my life, too. But then um, I asked my dad about it. Like, hey, like, I don't know how I feel about some of these stories or how I feel about this anymore or this. And just... In honesty, like, hearing him try to relate to me. I mean, I ask his permission if I can keep this in. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, hearing him say, like, well, you know, it shook me once when I realized that Psalms were poems. I thought everything in the Bible was just, you have to do it because it says it. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah. Like, it was I just, all, like, prescription. Like, yeah, do this, do this, do this. Yeah, or it was all one genre called Bible. <laughs> And now he's like, wait, this is a, these are poems. Yeah. That changes things. And that, it's got to be mind-blowing if you think that they're not. Well, like, growing up, like, I always knew that they were different. Like, I never I never used the word genre. I just knew that they were all different kind right. of books. Like, I knew that, like, the Psalms were, like, songs and poems and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that, but it didn't really, like, click as far as, like... Um, what that means. What that means. Like, I didn't, I didn't click, like widespread over the entire mm-hmm. Bible where it's like, oh, all these books aren't the same thing. <laughs> like, they're not. Yeah. Like, every story in narrative form is just like the letters where it's telling you to do something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, 
<laughs> now thinking back on it, it's like really unclear who are you supposed to like emulate because like some of these people are like really messed up. You yeah. know, I mean like King David, people like idolize King David and he had lots of issues. Yeah. And it says right in the text that he had lots of issues and that God was mad at him for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's like, am I supposed to emulate him? Because every single time I heard it him It also preach, says he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. And it also yeah, says yeah. that... Like, yeah, he was the anointed of Israel, and he was all these things. So it's like, be brave like him, you know. But also, it's a cautionary tale. But also, it's a cautionary tale. (laughs) Be like him, but not too much. (laughs) My name is David, so, like, David Drew, so, that was always too much to live up to, man. (laughs) King David? Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of those, like, cultural things, like... Man, I don't even. I would have to like sit down and actually like think about them because like I feel like I like kind of repress them now. Where it's like I don't want to like identify those things with myself anymore. But like I'm sure I believed all sorts of wacky things. Well, I remember my dad believing. This one really meant a lot to me when he he told me this. But like believing that I'm sorry if anyone if this is offending anyone who's listening. But like my I remember my dad saying he believed that Catholic people were like going to hell. Right. Or the Catholic people like. I know some people would say some stupid stuff like, well, the Pope's the Antichrist, whatever that means, and, like, things like that. Yeah. But, like, there was a time in my life where my dad was opposed to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little when I was growing up. I don't, probably, I don't know, maybe. But um, there was a time where, do you remember this? There was a moment, or have I ever told you this? There was a moment where his best friend, who he did evangelism with just like he did with your dad, mm-hmm. said, you know what? I think I heard really clearly from God, just clear as day, that I'm supposed to become Catholic. Yeah, I think you did tell me that. And that, ble- and my dad's like, wait, but you, I would, you, you were, and then, and then, and, and like. It broke his categories. <laughs> it No, it did, like, because this is someone who, like, I know that God is working in this person's life in my, like, the only way I know what that means, and, like, for, and and we've done a lot of, we've worked together, and I trust this person, <clears throat> and if this person I trust could be this thing, I don't know, if that's something, if something like that happens to someone in your family, you either get mad or start to think, well, maybe they're right, because I trust them. Yeah. With my experience... Like, the always, Catholics got him, or, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, maybe he knows something I don't, or maybe this isn't that yeah. way. In I my experience, at least personally, like, any time I've ever experienced someone, like, doing something that, like that, and, like, admitting, like, that they've changed something that we have both agreed on, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever responded immediately with, oh, well, maybe that's a good thing. Like, I almost always immediately start with, well, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, I, I bet my dad did, too. Like, but over time, you're like... Right. Exactly. Like, as you, like, actually continue to hang out with them, continue mm-hmm. to see them, continue to see that they're not a different person than they were before they admitted that to you or said that or changed, like, they're the same person. They just are identifying more with this other thing. And, like, that's kind of, like, the point of, like, what we're talking about is that a lot of this stuff is cultural. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, like, what's culture? It's the software over our, you know, human biology. Mm -hmm. It's it's these little programs that are working, these ideas, these memes, these things that are just like, you know, they're ideas that control our behavior, but that's what they are mostly. And 
it's just it's 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 interesting. I just I just I remember being a young Christian that did not understand that at all. And I remember mm. as you know when I grew up later on realizing what culture was. And remember how when Christian worked. was? Hey, this means I'm the one who's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, earlier we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about it while we were recording, but we were talking about the word orthodoxy and like what orthodoxy means. Like it literally means correct glorification or like correct worship. Like that's what the etymology is. Yeah. Like ortho is correct. Doxa is glory. It's glory. So it's like the right way to worship is basically what it means. So it's like, it's kind of presumptuous. I mean, now orthodoxy or orthodox Christianity is like, it's very different. I mean, you know. I've heard, like, like orthodoxy in the sense we're talking about, like, okay, correct glory. Yeah. Like, I've heard it said, like, orthodoxy is correct belief, and orthopraxy is correct practice, right? Right. But I've heard it said that glory is character, like, someone's glory is their character. Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at, like, old art where there are beams coming out of someone and then there's writing on the ends of those beams. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Mm -hmm. It's like, these are the things that, this is their character. Like, this is, they're this and they're this and they're this and the beams are the glory. And so like, what if orthodoxy was right character? That would kind of change how I think about that a little bit. Well, it's not even that far off. I mean, so it means glory, but like like the doxology is like glorification. Mm. It's the like like this is how we worship. Mm-hmm. Is, so like glory gets translated as worship a lot with people. So like mm. when we talk about like the doxology, this is the right worship. You know, you so, kind of like, read worship into glory. You can, if yeah. you're from where we're from. Yeah, you definitely can. So it's like how you are glorifying God with your life, with your words, with your praise, with your songs, with, Hmm. um, you know, like you said, with your character. Um, I mean, I know that, like, Orthodox Christianity is a lot more about, like, embodiment than, like, right thought. Orthodox Christianity as in the Eastern... Yeah, like the Eastern... Tradition or as in... Okay. Uh, like Eastern Orthodoxy is because this is what we were talking about earlier is that there is something a, called Orthodox that's an Eastern tradition of Christianity and then there's Orthodox yeah. which just kind there's of there's a noun in the proper belief. noun of <laughs> Orthodox the the people the Orthodox people are like their theology is a lot more about like embodiment mm. like embodying um, the Christ incarnation and like, yeah right incarnation is like a very big deal where it's like in the West you have a lot more. Where orthodoxy gets translated as like right, like you said like right belief, but I, that's not even like a right when evangelicals belief. use it, they tend to mean right belief. Do you believe what we believe? Which I'm not even sure. I can't remember. I'm lacking in my Greek lately. Or is that Latin? Ortho and docs. Yeah. If you would have asked me before, I would have said Latin. I think it is Latin, but you know I'm gonna look it up. Because I can. And there's no point in being wrong when we have Google. <laughs> Remember the days when you would have just had to, like, speculate wildly? <laughs> Dude, we still do that. I think it's more fun. Mm. That was not my phone vibrating. That was Hayden going, mm. Yeah, it is, it is Latin. Latin from late Greek. 
Orthodoxia. So okay, so it's it's Latin that's taken from the Greek. Oh, so I wasn't completely wrong with either guess. <laughs> oh, that's how we like it. Um. <laughs> yeah, even in the. I mean, doxa is glory. I'm looking at the cool. definition. It says authorized or generally accepted theory, doctrine, or practice. Yeah, it, it which are very different things. Generally accepted, <laughs> which is that just said everything though. Yeah, <laughs> theory, doctrine, or practice, credo, creed, dogma, theory, view, idea. Those are conviction, belief, practice, teaching. Those are completely different no, things. An orthodox idea, an orthodox practice, an orthodox teaching. So orthodox. Well, it just goes to show that words get. Like, yeah, the um, semantic range of a word gets completely generalized to mean like almost anything. Like you can use any word today and now, make it mean. Oh, totally. Mean. We were talking about that. I was talking about that earlier with someone with the word control mm-hmm. has varying degrees in it, and you can like view it as a bad thing, or you can view it as like a good thing, depending on your perspective, I guess, or how deeply you're running, you're reading into the degree of control, right? <laughs> Because, like, if I say, like, <laughs> I'm a control freak, like, right. that's a negative connotation. Yeah, I wish people <laughs> would look more into, like, the meanings of, like, not even, like, etymology, but just, like, thinking a little bit slower or a little bit more clearly about, like, what people are meaning, well, academic, the words that they're using. In an academic paper, you spend 30 pages defining things before you even get into it. Right. <laughs> Which I feel like we could... I mean, I've been hearing a lot of people, like, debating and stuff and, like, taking the time to clarify, okay, like, what do you mean and what do I mean? Let's mm-hmm. get on the same page as far as, like, terms we want to use. Yeah. And if we can't agree on a term... At least we will know that we both disagree on that term. At and least now we'll we know can what you mean that by Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, <clears throat> you know, like we were just talking about orthodoxy. Like we could be using it completely differently. Where it's like I've been, you know, learning more about like Greek or- uh, Greek orthodoxy and, um, and like the Orthodox churches and like learning a little bit more about their theology and stuff. And then you could be coming from like the like American like orthodoxy right thought. When American evangelicals tend to say the word orthodox, they mean generally accepted belief to them. Right. And we'd be talking about completely different things. And then I'm currently reading a book called Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, which is about magic. (laughs) 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 So, whatever. But it goes to show, like... And he became Catholic after. (laughs) So it worked. But it goes to show how, like, our different cultures affect... Everything. It affects the way we talk. It affects yeah. our disagreements. Like, you and I could have a, dif- a disagreement, and it's all because we just are thinking different definitions to the same words we're using. And so, like, I'm over here thinking, like, this guy does not know what orthodoxy means. He is an idiot. Like, he's not thinking. He's, like, on a completely different wavelength. Like, what is wrong with him? And then you could be thinking the exact same thing because we're both using the same word in a different way yeah. and not realizing it. I have that. About that example, I feel that way often with other people. <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah. But that's the point is that if you realize that, then you can, like, catch it. But if you don't, then you're going to end up, and I have, spent, like, hours of, like, Facebook debates with people. And it's like, oh, we're disagreeing on premises here. We're disagreeing on first oh, principles absurd. here. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. The Facebook thing is absurd. But, anyway. but so, you and I both grew up in a, um, like, a Pentecostal Christian culture. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing that Pentecostals do? 
You don't even have to agree or disagree with it. It could be either way. That's just like the most fun. How Pentecostal are we talking? (laughs) You can go as Pentecostal as you want. What is that thing where everyone kind of like forms a teepee with a partner? Like you do this and then like in a giant row, it's like a human centipede situation. And <laughs> it's not quite like that. <laughs> it's like humans forming a centipede. They're forming a tunnel. Yeah, that thing. That's a completely the tunnel image. thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing where they form a tunnel. And they run through it? Yeah. Have you seen one of those? Oh, I've done that so many times. You've done it? So many times. I've never done one of those. One time. I, it's like a prayer tunnel, right? One, yeah, so like a bunch of people are forming these teepees and you like r- <laughs> run through them and everyone is really happy and it's contagious. That's the best way I can describe it. And I remember going through one for the first time very skeptically and coming out the other end super happy and what can only be described as ecstatic. And I remember once going through... I don't know if this has ever happened to you because this gets into another Pentecostal thing. But I remember one time going through one pissed. Really? And coming out the other end thinking, this is stupid. This is so stupid. Why is this a thing? And then thinking, like, you know, this is probably the kind of situation where people fall, pretend to fall down. Or whatever that thing right. is. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to fall down. I'm never going to fall down. This is never going to happen. And I was very aware of my surroundings. Yeah. And then a guy goes, boop, and I just fell down. Really? And I was lit. All I could think was I'm not, like, in that moment for, like, more than 10 seconds, I'm thinking, I'm not going to fall down. I feel like people are going to start falling down, and it's just a dumb thing. Yeah, we're talking about being slain in the spirit. That thing, yeah. Where, like, the pastor, like, touches your forehead or something, and then you just, like, drop to the or ground. Or you're overcome by something. Yeah, you overcome. you just fall down and don't get hurt somehow. Yeah, I never had that done to me. I definitely have believed you ever, in it. Have you ever been slain in the I've spirit? I've seen it. No, I've never been slain in the spirit. So the only I've time... I've seen it, and I believed in it. The only time it's happened time. to me in the traditional sense, like, in what you're picturing when you say <laughs> slain in the spirit... Was coming out the other end of that fire tunnel is what it was called. That's what it was called. They called it a fire, fire tunnel. tunnel. Of course. That's what they're called. And thinking, I'm not going to fall down. Because I bet that's something that could happen right now. <laughs> and then someone went, boop. And I just fell down. And I like kind of opened my eyes after a few seconds. I'm like, shoot, I fell down. I don't understand. I'm okay with it, though. I'm okay with not understanding. No, I prayed in tongues, though. Yeah. We didn't do that so much at that time in Pentecost. Really? No, this was more charismatic than Pentecostal. Where were you? I was in a charismatic. Uh, like when? When it was 2015. You you believed in praying in tongues? I did, but like the people, the charismatic people I were with were like oh. speaking in tongues. That's that's <laughs> like that's all news. No, like that was like you did it, but that was the. That's just like, like there's like way more going that. on. You can do that on your own time. We got bigger things to do. <laughs> we got fire kind of. <laughs> no, it was like we got we get to go like heal people and Are you like, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, oh, you tell me where you were, where you were. It was when we were in the tunnel, like the physical tunnel. Oh, like, you were back in the Utica at, tunnel days. Oh, okay, okay, okay. In the Utica tunnel days, there were okay, fire tunnels. So this tunnels. wasn't like a church. This was people congregating at a place. It was there was a church. 
It, I was going, it was the church functions. I was going to at the time would do the fire tunnels. We had our tunnel, which you was had, a physical had, tunnel a under, tunnel. under a highway that the cops let us go down there and paint and play music, and people would walk through, and we would pray for people, Didn't and the amazing things would happen. Over paint, paint over yeah, everything. that was a shame. <laughs> but it's back now. Oh, okay. People still paint in there. Good. That you know we that people ruined that Boy Scout's life. I get he like <laughs> thought he was doing the right thing, painting over all of our artwork, <laughs> making it presentable, but people were sure mean to him. And oh really? Oh yeah. All the graffiti after that was just like <gasps> really? stuff about him and like <laughs> terrible things. And did people know his name? Yeah, knew who he it was. was in the paper. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> Poor Boy Scout. Yeah, wasn't it like an Eagle Scout or something? Like so, yeah, something, oh yeah, it was, it was his like his end project. of end of yeah. Scout project. <laughs> you never end being a scout. That's funny. So you did your fire tunnels? Yeah, fire tunnel was. And great. that's not even that long ago. That which is probably years. why you were like not three that years into ago? it, and then you went. It, what I'm saying, I was, you went through it like saying like, I it I'm was never gonna. something I had participated in or seen. Maybe I had heard of. This was three years ago, I guess. Oh, so that church was really Pentecostal? They were very were charismatic. charismatic. They were not Okay, so they weren't from the Pentecostal tradition. Like They like, were from, like, Catholic hippies in the 70s okay. who lived in communes. Mm, interesting. Yeah, which I was way more interested in. You had me at communes. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw amazing things. I knew there. that they weren't AG. But I didn't know, the, like, what... AG is the Pentecostal denomination Hayden and I grew up in. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... Th- let me put it this way. If there were three people in charge of that church, one of them was a, at one time AG. And the others were... One was, like, some other kind of charismatic, and one was from hippie communes and Catholic yeah. something in the 70s. But I think the AG's probably... I don't know if the biggest Pentecostal tradition... But it's definitely one of the like, top three. I think it's the biggest. You have the Church of God, Pentecostal church in the world. Yeah, it is the biggest yeah, Pentecostal yeah, in church the world. in the world. Yeah, I, yeah. the biggest church, the largest church in the world, is in South Korea, and it's an Assembly of God church. Yeah, like it's insane. Yeah, you know, a million people go to that church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's humongous. They have ten services with a hundred thousand people in them. That's insane. It's like the big house <laughs> being packed ten hey, times a hey, day. Hey, their prayers finally worked. Which ones? <laughs> For uh, peace with uh, North Korea. Yeah. Peace talks. We'll cut this, but what do you? What happened there? Uh, I have no idea what happened there. A lot of people think that Trump had something to do with it. I've heard. I've heard Trump sides. did something that got them talking, and I've heard Trump said something so stupid that South Korea had to step in and say, "Okay, don't listen to him. You and I need to talk." Yeah. That's how I. Those are two main theories, and then I had, and then I also heard that like there was a um, unstable nuclear reactor in North Korea, so it's like something that, where it's like they had to stop, and then wow. they, they decided like, to, hey, like, we need to deal with this so we can deal with this. Yeah, it was or like you... it was like they had to stop anyway, so they're like, let's look like good guys and make peace. Dang. So like, there's all these different stories. I don't okay. think anyone knows the full story except for. Possibly the two men involved, <laughs> yeah, in the agreement. I honestly don't think anyone will know for sure. But huh. I mean, does it make off topic? What was your favorite Pentecostal experience? <sighs> hmm. Well, I've never experienced snake handling. 
I don't know anyone who has. That's a very niche thing. I know, but that's always what people think of. Like people, when I that's tell just people, that one Church of God denomination. I know it's like one people Branch that like live in the mountains of West Virginia. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, I have too. I uh, I went on like a mission trip there. Oh, you actually went to the impoverished part of yeah, the yeah, United yeah. States in the mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting trip. That was a for, that was a life forming wow idea forming trip. Hmm. Because, like, I was already, like, starting to question things and stuff. And then, like, I was also getting really, really into, like, missions and, like, stuff like that. And then, like, it's this like, trip. Man, this kid's really into missions. <laughs> I I probably didn't seem like I was at all on that <laughs> trip. But that's just because I was processing a lot of things. Jeez. Just, like, strategies and different stuff like that. There mission was stuff, strategies? Stuff I didn't like, yeah. Like, strategies for converting people? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which, I uh, I won't get into That's it. your first mistake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I saw people... Well, that's the thing, is that I was, like... You know, and now I'm coming with, like, college experience, and, like, I went to... Uh, we both went to the same Bible college. Yeah, we did. Um... <laughs> oh, you're wearing the t-shirt. I am wearing the t-shirt. I bought in, man. <laughs> you bought in and bought out. <laughs> and I had the t- And I got the t-shirt. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I've never seen snake handling. But I've definitely seen people that probably would. <laughs> funny one of the biggest church one of the people who interned with us at my church um yeah, we can probably cut this but was a children's pastor i feel like as we talk we're gonna have a lot of those moments was a children's pastor at one of the largest churches in new york it was in brooklyn okay and it happened to it they didn't practice it but they happened to be the denomination that participates in snake handling really that somehow made its way to Brooklyn. So it's actually a denomination. It's not just like a couple like random. It's Church churches. of God something. Really? It's not Kojic. Maybe. It, I don't know. Hmm. We could speculate wildly. So like they just buy a snake. And Church like, of God and snake hand. <laughs> <laughs> Kojish. I'm not Kojic. I'm Kojish. <laughs> the Bethel School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. <laughs> they have snipers. <laughs> That's another fun school. Yeah, I so that I did that one into I did that one for a year. What do you mean you did that one? So when tunnel stuff happened, they had one in Rochester. Oh, they had Michigan. a branch. Yeah, they had a branch in Rochester, Michigan. I know that. Of the Bethel School for Supernatural Ministry is I think what it's called. <laughs> yeah. And so the branch in Rochester, Michigan of it basically was how I can describe it. And amazing things were happening in my life. Should I tell the story? I'm going to tell this story. Tell it. So, okay, so there was a night where it was Labor Day 2014, Mm -hmm. and my car was broken down, and I was living uh, on the third floor of a house with a family that I grew up with, and wonderful people, and... My car broke down. The next day was supposed to be our first point, at, our first day at Bible College, and my car wouldn't work. And so I'm like, I can't go to Bible College. And maybe I was looking for a reason not to go. And um, and for at that time in my life, I had rollerblades in the trunk of my car at all times. And I'm upstairs. I'm feeling super restless. So I put on those rollerblades, and I end up rollerblading five miles in a direction I had never gone before, listening to. A band called Sleeping at Last in my headphones. Um, the weather said there was a 20% chance of rain. I said, I'll chance it. 
I end up in downtown Utica, Michigan, where it's just something I've never seen before. I'd never been there. It was really beautiful. It was hilly. There were no cars around. And there was this tunnel, the tunnel I was talking about earlier. And it went under M59. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a cool trail. There's graffiti in this tunnel. I bet that trail goes really far. It ends at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And I went in. And I'm halfway through the tunnel. And fear's a silly thing because I saw six people sitting in a circle. And one had a guitar. And I thought, I bet they're going to knife me. <laughs> why do we think things like that? And Well, why are people congregating in a tunnel? Yeah, um, well, I'll tell you why. So I'm like, I walk up and I had met the one with the guitar at, a, at Zach Gross's wedding. Mm-hmm. He stood up in Zach Gross's wedding, but he had blonde, spike, bleached, spiky hair at the time. Yep. And then... There was a girl I saw who was at a concert two weeks before that. Mike Maines in the Branches. You and I were both there at a venue called the Grot. No, the. Uh, I feel like I've seen him a couple of times. Are you talking about in Ferndale? No, it was a crappy venue up in, like New Baltimore. Not New Baltimore. I don't think I saw them. You were there. Was I? I saw them in Ferndale. When they played with uh, Flynn Eastwood. That was awesome. I don't remember seeing them before that. Oh! I think you're right. Yeah, what was that venue called? I have no idea. I'm not going to be able to remember. I bet it was called The Venue, because it was part of a church, and churches do things like that. <laughs> anyway. We did. So We sure did. You ran it. <laughs> Into the ground. Is that what you're trying to think of? No. Oh. I was going to say, Mike, Bra- Mike-, Mike Maines didn't play The there. Collective? That's generic. Oh. It was like a garage attached to a church. Yes. Anyway, so one of the girls (laughs) in that tunnel helped put on that concert that night. Yep. And she was the one handing out pizza at that concert. And I was like, hey, I know you. Hey, I recognize you too. And I was like, are you guys like playing music or like praise music like church music like what are you guys collective i'm trying to think i'm like thinking that's what their group was called but i'm trying that's not what the venue was called um but i was like hey this group of people in this tunnel like what are you guys doing are you playing praise music or worship music or whatever like yeah like you know like come join us and they were in a circle and i kind of sat outside the circle and it was one of those situations where um I'm, like, sitting outside the circle. I haven't fully accepted my circumstances yet that I'm here right now. Like, I could leave and be okay. Mm-hmm. And then it just starts pouring rain. And I'm like, and, and it happened to be one of those moments where there's an old praise song that you and I used to sing a lot called Let It Rain. <laughs> there's one of those moments where they're singing Let It Rain and it starts pouring rain. Yeah. That's, like, how that went down. And I'm sure that has happened a million times across a million miles <laughs> and a million worlds. I don't know. But, um... And a lot of people's prayers were confirmed because of that. Because of confirmation bias. And, or whatever that is. I just is. need a sign. <laughs> During let it rain. During let it rain and then it starts raining. Oh, it must be. No, that, well, anyway, so but that happened. That happened and I'm like, well, it's raining. And that happened. And I kind of just started laughing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess to me it was if I would have left 10 minutes later, I would have gotten rained out. If I would have left 10 minutes earlier, I would have missed them. Yeah. Like, that that was the circumstance. So, I'm like, I'll stay here. I guess I'm in. I'm all in. So, I took my shoes off. And um, they're praying and worshiping and singing. And and two of the girls who are there get up to leave. And someone grabs my shoulder and says, hey, wait. Like, before they leave, we need to bless Drew. We need to pray for Drew. Or, we need to bless Drew. And I'm like, bless? What does that mean? 
Like, I think that just means pray for me or something. So they're like, yeah, yeah, can we bless you? Can we bless you? I'm like, yeah, that, if that means pray for me, sure, you know? Like, I'm <laughs> not, I'm something not, else. Well, you don't say no to that necessarily. And, but um, so they're like, okay, cool, we're going to bless you. Take out your phone. You're going to want to record this. <laughs> I'm like, but you're just going to pray for me, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, just you trust me. You want to record this. I'm like, okay. So I hit record on my phone. And on my old laptop somewhere, I have a 20-minute recording of them going around in a circle telling me where I'd been, like, where I'm at now. They didn't know me. Where I'm at now and where I'm going, like, in details that were blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe it. And I just start bawling. And, yeah, I just couldn't believe what was happening. It's like, this happened for like 20 minutes. And then the two girls left. And they offered to give me a ride home. But they were like, hey, want to hang out with us? Want to go out to eat with us? Want to do these things? Um, What else happened that night? Oh, so... They're like, okay, we're going to go out to eat, but we're going to go talk to our friend Blake first. And I'm like, Blake? They're like, you seem like you know a lot of people. You probably know Blake. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so we get to this guy's apartment, and he opens the door, and I'm like, Blake, no way! And I totally recognize him from playing guitar in a local band and other stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. So he's like, hey, guys. Hey, how's it, how's it going? And it's like 1 a.m. And they're like, hey, we're going to pray for you, Blake. I'm like, oh, cool. We're going to pray for him, too. Awesome. <laughs> and no, and Blake's like, yeah, yeah, I just, I've had this sore throat, and I have, I have a cold or something, and I'm supposed to sing in the morning, and blah, 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 blah. And they prayed for Blake, and Blake just started singing, and his voice cleared up completely, and I was just like, what in the world that just happened? Yeah. Like, he was healed or something. Like, yeah, like, I'd never... It's crazy because in Pentecostal tradition, you talk about healing and gifts and tongues and prophecy or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I never hear that those things happen in Pentecostal terms. I never would. I would never hear someone say, yeah, this happened outside the church. Right. Like, it's like these things happen inside the church and they're for us. Yeah. Like almost at like an event or a prayer meeting. But if you find those things in the Bible, it was outside Mm -hmm. and it was for the benefit of others. You know, all of those things were. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so Blake's singing and I'm like, all right, that was crazy. That just happened. I've never seen that happen before or whatever that was. And I am barefoot and it's raining and we're about to go into Steak and Shake. <laughs> and I'm like just freaking out. And I'm like, hey, Blake, want to come with us to Steak and Shake? He's like, I got to get up in the morning. But but how are you going to go to Steak and Shake without any shoes? And I'm like, oh, we'll figure it out. He ended up giving me a pair of Toms, and I think I gave them to a homeless person, like, a few months later. But what the heck? Like, that's the coolest thing. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, the guy who was giving me a ride home gave, like, three other people a ride home. Then he gives me a ride home. We stopped at the bank first for some reason. So he pulls into my driveway, and he goes, this is your house? I'm like, yeah. He's like, when I was growing up, I always dreamed about living in this house. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I would walk through, like, in between this house and the house next to it and, like, imagine it was, like, another world and, like, this was my castle. I'm like, what? And he's like, can I show you where I live? I'm like, yeah. And he basically just backed out of the driveway and he lived across the street. (laughs) 
So, like, there's a point where I can be as skeptical as I want of everything that happened that night. But that was that's but what, no matter how skeptical or believing you are, like, this is the most hilarious <laughs> thing, right? It's totally weird. It's it, so it definitely sounds funny. like you joined a cult. It's so funny. Anyway, so yeah, over the following weeks, I was just like, you know. Like, if, if things are happening, I'm just going to watch and let things happen. And if God's as good as we always claimed he is, and if we always claimed to believe these things were true. And, man, like, I saw people, it was, I saw people healed, and I saw people, like, prophesied over and all these things. But more importantly, I saw people with no agenda sit with and sit with homeless people. And, like, get people jobs and take, like, drive people places. And in relationship that wasn't trying to recruit people, Mm -hmm. but was just, like, trying to, like, be friends with people and be better themselves. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if that's not, I don't know if, like, you can have all those things, but if you don't have that, what's the point? Right. Yeah, Yeah. That was a crazy thing. Yeah, and a lot of people think that, like, anyone, like, especially when they see, like, groups of Christians or whatever, like, whenever they're, like, giving out food or Mm -hmm. doing whatever, like, good things for, like, the neighborhood or homeless people or whatever, like, they think they, oh, they're just doing it to recruit, they're just doing it for, like, other alternative... Or Or they're just here to show up and leave. Right. Where it's, like, you and I, and, like, these people are some of those kind of people where you and I know, like tons of people that just do those things just to do those things literally just to do those things mm-hmm. right it's like i i almost am like do you have a plan <laughs> like, like do you act like is there a next step and yeah for a lot of them there's just not they just do it to do it which it's like on one level it's like well maybe you can do more but mm. for them it's just like why would i want to do more <laughs> i think it was the sitting with people that really like grabbed my heart yeah and man like so that tunnel that I was in, like, for, like, twice a week for months and months and months, we would go in that tunnel really late at night and paint on the walls, like, finger paint or, like, sprint graffiti, do yeah. whatever, and then just bring instruments and play music. And sometimes it was praise music and sometimes we'd just jam. But people would walk through the tunnel and would end up either just sitting with us or talking with us all night. Or we'd be there till 4 or 5 a.m. sometimes in this tunnel. And there were people who walked. We would show up and say, hey, God, whoever you want to send, send. And, like, there were times where, like, Muslim kids would come through and they ended up being great friends. And we would drive them, like somewhere they needed to go or they would end up like praying with like islamic prayers with us and we would pray islamic prayers with them and like they'd open up with us about their families and like yeah like but then like this kid who couldn't work for two years because he had a back problem like got healed and then we got to like follow up with him after who was muslim and that blew a paradigm for my for me and then, like, a guy coming through who just heard us playing music and was going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Like, and that he was so grateful afterwards that he brought us all the fruit and Gatorade he had. <laughs> Literally, he emptied his fridge. He brought, uh, like, boxes of chips <laughs> and, like, everything he had, like, to us and, like, would follow up with us. And, like, yeah. this the most, like, insane, like, snapshots in people's lives, but then, like... Yeah, those are the craziest things. 
Yeah, there's another thing that, like, always gets lost, and, like, you've mentioned these things, like, many times, like, in these stories, is that these people were in this tunnel playing music, singing together, painting on the walls, like, like, a lot of these, like, very, very open groups of people, like, Pentecostal, charismatic, like, people that are very, very, like, what other people would call woo-woo, very, (laughs) like, just, like... People that really believe in, like, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's movie, like, these are some of the most, like, creative people that I know. And they're hmm. always painting. They're always singing and making music and dancing and, like, they're just super open people. Like, mm-hmm. on the Big Five, they're, like, some of, like, the most open people. And it's like, yeah, you would – some people would call them, like, fundamentalist Christians because they believe in this, like, supernaturalism, like, completely, undoubtedly. But, like, they're also super, super, like, high on openness at the same mm-hmm. time where it's, like, they're super creative. They're always singing. They're going out. And they're, like, hey, if I could pray for you, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to expect miracles. Like, they're just super open people. Very novelty, novelty-seeking where it's, like, we believe in new things. Like, we believe in, mm-hmm. like, things that have not happened before. We believe that those things can happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that kind of positivity is super contagious. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just never been like that. Like, yeah. I just think that, like, my own personality has just never been like that. But, like, I'm, I've always enjoyed being around people like that because it's, like, they help me get out of my own comfort mm-hmm. zone and stuff. And even though I've always been – I don't like to consider myself a conservative, but I've always been a lot more, like, withdrawn. Yeah, I've been, that like, kind of – Very inward. I know what you mean. Like, people like – them and people like you like i've loved our friendship just because like you helped me like bring myself out and it's like i like being around people like that even if i don't agree with all their stuff and like many times like hanging out with them like i find myself disagreeing with many things that they're saying yeah i'm doing it but it's like i would never tell them to stop because they're bringing smiles on people and they're on people's faces and they're bringing um you know goodness and light and they're helping people and Mm -hmm. they're just being like you said just being present when it's not gonna look like what i it's probably not gonna look like what i think it's gonna look like or what i think it should look like like if i staunchly had to say like what i think would fix someone (laughs) like what we would say like god's probably got something completely different in mind you know and like it's being open to that yeah like it's the I don't know, in it's a third way of being in a sense. I don't know. But um so at that time there was that Beth the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry or whatever yeah. type school in Rochester, Michigan. And what I would do is every chance I got, I would sit outside the classroom on a couch and just sometimes they wouldn't but just wait for them to invite me in. Yeah. All these people who had like paid a tuition to go to a like be in a ministry school, mm-hmm. and I'm like just sitting on this couch trying to hear through the door. Yeah. And I had a notebook, and it's in my car, and I'm like waiting for them to let me in. And who was it? It was that was Seymour, in the brother Seymour in the, the like right before the big thing that started the Pentecostal. Revivals. Oh, um, He's like he Charles was Charles Seymour. Uh, something like that. Brother. Oh no, it was Parnum. No, no, that's the other guy. Okay, so Seymour was this African American dude. Yeah. Who was like allowed to be the janitor at a ministry school? He wasn't allowed to attend, but they let yeah, him be yeah. the janitor. And I think it was Parnum was the teacher. Yeah. And he would like kind of sit in the doorway, just trying to learn. Yeah. 
You know? Yeah, he would, like, listen to, like, the window or something. Yeah. And I don't know. So, like, and they, I would sit there until they invited me in. And, like, there was a time where I actually ended up being able to, like, join. William Seymour. William Seymour. That was it. And, like, whether I agreed with them or whether I disagreed with them, it didn't really matter because we were just all being open together. Yeah. And in community, I don't know, a community that's allowed to just be open together. Like, it, we weren't skepticizing, we weren't questioning things out of skepticism, we were questioning things out of trust. That we would, like, get the an- that we- that, we- that answers were good and would lead to more questions that had good answers or were good questions. You were comfortable to ask a question because you, you believed that there would be an answer there. And even though there might be a lot of confirmation bias involved, mm-hmm. it was a very trusting group. Which, can, I mean, I guess too much trust can be a bad thing. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, when, uh, so in that, in a, in circumstances like that, I've been in where, so I would say we were questioning out of, at this, like, time, we were, I would say we were questioning, but we were questioning out of trust. Because there were also times, because when it got to times in the future where we were questioning out of skepticism, that's when things would fall apart. Yeah. Like, that's when, like, people start, would leave or quit Mm -hmm. or, like, just, I can't be a part of whatever. Yeah. And this was a different circumstance, but that I'm not going to talk about. That's actually a really interesting, um... An interesting thing, like, like someone questioning came in who trust. wasn't open well, is what happened. Someone yeah. came in who like hurt the openness of the group and made people feel like I'm cutting this. Made people feel like they couldn't be open. Okay. And now you're questioning out of skepticism, but not and, and don't feel safe. Yeah. So like a lot of people, they hear like people being open and like they what they picture is people being open to everything and people will picture like skeptics where it's like i'm going to question everything but like oh we questioned everything yeah but you guys were starting from like you guys were starting from a a place of already believing in something Mm -hmm. and what i'm trying to say is that there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with questioning from within trust it's like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like um you know Jordan Peterson talks about, like, in psychology, talking about, like, um, play and, like, going back to, like, um, I think I think it's Piaget. Piaget well, the play thing it. is like, the play through thing experience. Where, yeah, where it's, like, you like a kid plays with his, uh, oh, maybe it's Carl Rogers. I can't remember. But basically, like, a kid plays with his dad and the dad mm-hmm. will, like, rough him up but not too much and he'll let the kid win. So that, yeah. But, like, the whole thing works within a... An idea of, like, trust, where it's, like, mm-hmm. the kid is playing rough but knows that the dad is going to rough back but not too much and hurt them. Like, mm-hmm. And that gives him the freedom to question it or, or to um, to play back, to be rough and stuff. Because mm-hmm. he knows, like, oh, my dad's not going to kill me. <laughs> my dad's not going to hurt Until me. Until you break your dad's rib like I it, did. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. Twice. What'd Two you separate do? occasions. What'd you do? He, we were wrestling. Didn't he tickle you? Yeah. And then you kicked him? I can't control it. And then he broke his rib? Twice. <laughs> it happened more than once. So he was trusting you too much. <laughs> There's the problem. That's funny. But, like, I like that idea of, like, of, of, um, exploring within the, within the trust, I don't want to say confines, but within the trust of a, 
doesn't have to be a system, but just I know trust. What you mean. Where it's like a, a kid's gonna roughhouse knowing that the dad's not gonna hurt him. Well, if, if the kid thinks the dad's gonna hurt him, he's not gonna play. And what's it's the like, converse? You, you're skeptical because of because you don't feel safe, or you've been burned before. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're skeptical of a system, it's probably because you have preconceived notions of that system, or you've been burned by that system, right? Yeah. Or, or just you don't feel safe. So it sounds like a bunch of people that were that were asking questions because they experienced or observed pain from the systems that they grew up in, but they had a continuing stable trust in, like, God himself. Where it's like they felt... They felt safe to question because they still had a stable belief in God. Yeah. But the questions had to do with, like, it the appearances, like, the outside. It seemed like our fundamental belief was that God is good and that people are good. Because I didn't see people who believe that people aren't good doing those things and approaching those people okay. without agenda. <laughs> you know? Mm. Like, if you're, like, if I believe that you're evil... Inherently or in, or bad, I'm going to try and change you. Yeah, a lot of people think that other people are evil and that they can't be changed because of it. Mm-hmm. Where like, and that's actually a really widespread. I guess I'm saying even Christians who mm-hmm. want to evangelize. I mean, if you were to ask a, a a Christian as a Christian, do you think evil people can change? I think they would feel compelled to say yes but i think it's a widespread thing unless you're in america i hear well yeah there's that but i hear a lot of people who i would i don't consider religious because i don't think they consider themselves religious but there's a widespread idea i'm sure it's very common actually all over the place but the idea is that if someone's evil there's nothing you can do to change them when it's determinism yeah, I guess there's a lot of determinists, like, all over the place. That's basically in that, which, which I might cut this out. Is determinism basically predestination? Um, yeah, they can be the same thing, but not necessarily. Where it's like, you can be, a, like, predestination has to do with, like, predestination is a theological. Yeah, that ha- that, at that point you're getting eternity involved. Yeah, you're bringing God in eternity where it's like, you're predestined to hell or heaven or whatever. Determinism is just that. Your life is controlled no matter what the forces are. Mm-hmm. I think it's not necessarily a theological claim. Like, mm-hmm. there's atheist determinists. Right. Where it's like, everything you do is determined by the It's so funny, because like, there's a level I believe that and a level I don't. One day I believe that, one day I don't. Yeah. I. So, like, growing up in the Pentecostal church, like, we believe in free will. Like, we... But we believe everything happens for a reason. But, exactly. So, but that's <laughs> also just rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... Yeah, I think that that's a really complicated thing. Like, I was just listening to Jordan Peterson give a very complex and, um, I would say, elegant uh, way of describing it recently, where he was talking about um, the the closer you get to the present, the more determined things are. And he was, like, talking about, like, studies where it's, like, like they can measure, um, like, right before a stimulus happened. Like, you had a physiological response before you knew about it. So, like, hmm. your body knows something's about to happen. But so you like, don't. Yeah, so, like, I am taking in your words before I'm conscious of the yes. fact that you said it. Because yeah. there's a delay um, between 
you actually saying it and then me comprehending it. Like, there's a little bit of a delay. Kind of like, you know, like radio or like, or like live TV. There's like a couple... Who have I heard talk about this? That the present isn't really the present because there's a level yeah, where... Yeah, there's always a delay. Insane. Yeah. So, like, he was talking... So, Jordan Peterson was talking about how, like, the present is always determined by... Might have been Jordan Peterson. Maybe. So, like, the present is always determined by, you know, the things that happened right before. But the further you move out, or the, by the more contingent things are, the more free things are where it's like mm-hmm. or the more potential things have right like where it's like something that's super far out uh i mean the past is always determined because it's the past it's done it's already determined mm-hmm. william james talks about that in his pragmatism mm-hmm. where it's like as far as because he's he's trying to apply pragmatism to the fr- free will and determinism mm-hmm. debate and he's like as far as the past is concerned that's all determined yeah so he's like what are we talking that's about here? Uh, i think he was talking about whether he was also bringing god into it he's like you know the debate between whether god did it or natural forces he's like as far as the past is concerned it can go either way <laughs> like he's like it's a completely coherent system whether god did everything in the past or mm-hmm. natural forces did everything in the past because it's done we have the evidence it's there he's like but the future is a whole different story and that's where pragmatism comes in and free will where it's like um as far as the future is concerned it's not determined yeah it's you know like there's all this potential and there's things that you can do by the things that you believe that are determined by all sorts of factors like the past where so natural forces the future has potential it's silly because natural forces are being perso- the word determine has a connotation that someone's determining and that yeah. is almost a just by using a term like determine well specifically is a personifying term. term yeah someone's determined so, so the if like are if determined. it's my biology if god's out of the equation then we're personifying natural forces yeah. Which is a very mystical idea. <laughs> like, it's very purple in the V memes. It's very purple in, the, like, the yeah. spiral dynamic. I mean, there are other words for it that are a little... Good. Okay. Because I was going to say... A little deter- more naturalist, but also a lot harsher, like, fatalism. <laughs> fatalism is the, is the idea. It's determinism, but it's a harsher Like when my printer says a fatal error has occurred. Right. It's and it's bas- like, who died? Yeah, it's everything's determined, and it's not going to go well, okay. pretty much. Like, there's nothing you could do. Good. Um... And then there's... Everything's determined and it's not going to go well. <laughs> From whose perspective? <laughs> Someone's winning until I, the end. I don't know if that's actually part of it. I think <laughs> That's it's, funny, though. I think it's... <laughs> I don't think that that's actually part of it. I think that I added that. I think it's more like everything's determined and there's nothing anyone can do about yeah. it. Yeah. Which is like... Like my printer. It's fatalism. It's like, give up. Like A fatal error has do. occurred. Give up. <laughs> yeah. And um, someone died. Where, like, determinists, a lot of determinists are like, yeah, no, it's still natural to Mm. think of things in free will terms. Like, that's like Sam Harris. He Oh, really? Yeah, he is a determinist. He doesn't believe in free will. But he's like, we still act as if there is free will. Which I'm like, as a pragmatist, I'm like, so So there is free will. (laughs) Yeah, so that's funny. So. Cool, I'm going to pee real quick. Actually, we can uh, we can come to an end. I want to do this more, but we're coming at we're at two hours right now, and it's almost midnight. And it's almost midnight. Oh, but um, I'm gonna pee real quick. And he's gonna pee real quick instead of just wrapping things up. He's gonna hold on. I'll wrap things up.
And that is why we were often at odds with ourselves. Anyway, so we were talking about... And then edit out your explanation of it? <laughs> Quite possibly. I have control. So we talked a lot about, like, culture and Christian culture and the good and the weird and that yeah. it, sometimes it's all mixed up with it you know with each other mm-hmm. in that you can't necessarily always separate them or don't at least you don't always know how to separate them and that i mean i and i sure tried to be as non that was also when i was like getting into richard Rohr. yeah so it was all like i get to be non-dualistic about this mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> anything that's happening i'm gonna just kind of just and like it's and open-handed if i'm being honest like it's super easy for me like with my personality we talked about earlier like it's super easy for me to be skeptical and it's easy for me to be cynical like that's just kind of my like personality like i like to question things and i like to question motives and like that's just like it's part of who i am me too so like it's super like i've i really try to remain open and even with things i'm skeptical about i like i try to I always tried to operate from, like, a principle of charity, which um, Donald Davidson, I think, is the philosopher that talked about. It's basically, like, a hermeneutic of, like, jo- of generosity. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, you're interpreting from a standpoint of, like, giving you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And, like, I just I, I just believe, like, we earlier we were talking about, like, definitions and how people will debate about things having completely different definitions for the same words that they're both using. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... I want to always give the benefit of the doubt and like I grew up with so many different kinds of Christians because when you're a Christian long enough you meet a lot of different ones and you you realize like you know it's it's really easy to see how wrong the other person is and like you me our buddy Chris and lots of our friends who you know we spent a lot of time with like we've debated a lot of like theological issues and stuff that we disagree throwing books Bibles (laughs) throwing Bibles (laughs) <laughs> Tables were tossed. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, we're like, oh, well, you know, it is kind of crazy that I have this idea and all these people who I love and trust think really, really differently than I do. Yeah. You know, I got some friends who are doing fire tunnels and some Apparently. other people who are doing all sorts of crazy things. And it's like, but we all have a common, you know, humanity. We all have a common goal and a common, we have common values. And it's like, I want to remain open to things because it's too easy to throw out ideas. It's too easy to throw out people with ideas. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that a lot where it's like... Like some, Kanye. Like Kanye. <laughs> Let's not get into Kanye. But not because I have strong feelings on the issue. It's just that we're coming to a close. But um, yeah, I think that that's... I, I guess we can just leave it on that where it's like... I don't want to throw people out with ideas. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, we can question ideas all day long. We were talking about, like, you know, coming from a standpoint of trust. Questioning from a standpoint mm-hmm. of trust. And it's like... You're in trust, you're not going to break relationship. Yeah. Over it. Yeah, what do you think about that? It's hard. <laughs> I feel like you do it well. Thanks. I can tell you every time I haven't. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is that it's hard to do, and I yeah. feel like today more than ever, in at least in America, and I think it's probably a, something that can be generalized, is that we're living in a time where 
people are being completely tossed in the trash with ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with this last election, and I mean, like, I mean, we are so polarized right now. Yeah. I mean, we're adults now. I mean, I don't know. I just don't remember a more polarizing time. When Obama was the Antichrist. Well, Obama was the Antichrist. And we can definitely we can definitely get into that next time. Yeah. But I don't know, with like Donald Trump and with the election, like I feel like everyone is just in like disagreement. About social media like I don't know, just people having more of a voice than ever before or social media and those kind of things sure make it seem that way. Yeah. Well I think we could just end it there. Yeah. I don't have like a clean bow tie to put on it, but I'm I really gonna, what? I'm gonna at least if I had a final say, it's like, yeah, like trust it, it's it's important. questioning is important. It's one of my favorite things to do. Question out of trust. And if you're questioning out of trust, you're not gonna break relationship because what's more va- like What's more valuable, your questions or your relationships? Well, that's the thing is that, like, there's people today that I still talk to who, like, I don't interact with as much because we see things so differently. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I like still having those people in my life because it's like, I like to meet up with them and be like, how do you, how are you viewing the world right now? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, because it's like, I can get caught up with how I'm viewing the world right now and, like, have all my ideas and all my questions and stuff and, like, with the election. But Mm -hmm. it's like, it's nice to catch up with people and be like, how are you, how are you viewing all this? Because I know you see the world in a very different way than I do. So how are you looking at things? And maybe I can learn from your perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, I I get encouraged by interactions like that all the time. I don't know. It's like this weird middle when you're trying to do the Jesus thing mm. where, like, Republicans are going to hate you and Democrats are going to hate you. Yeah. If, at least the way I'm reading it. Yeah, I find myself in that position where it's like, I'm I'm, I'm too Christian for the atheists and yeah. too atheist for the Christians. And it's like, I consider myself in both of your groups. Like, yeah, oh, totally. I'm like... You so you believe in God? I'm like today I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can end it on that. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, by the next time we talk, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where else. <laughs> Ask me next time. Well, <laughs> well, I really enjoyed talking to you. You're Always. a really good friend of mine. You're going to be back on. For those who don't know, uh, Drew is the guy who introduces the podcast in the beginning, and we want to do these um, these episodes uh, on a regular basis where. We kind of just come together. We kind of, um, I don't know, we kind of just talk about what's on our mind. And uh, I like that yeah. we both come from similar backgrounds and, you know, other episodes aren't going to be super Christian-y. But mm-hmm. I like having the opportunity for us to get really uncomfortable talking about, like, stuff from our past. Yeah. That wouldn't be uncomfortable talking about before. But, like, right now we find ourselves both, like, kind of getting uncomfortable with well, certain topics. And you know what's going to be a fun one is, like, Chris and Hayden and I are best friends. We were in bands together. We were in church together. We did a million things together our whole lives. Pretty much. The next one's going to be you, me, and Chris next yeah. time we're all together like this. So, at the same time, in person. I think that's going to be fun. In person. In downtown Detroit. Because you and I have very, you and I have a very similar upbringing. Chris had a very had a similar but it was different. Like Baptist, yeah, he was yeah. Baptist. Um, so yeah, our relationship, the three of us, has been really interesting. It's mostly us throwing books at him. <laughs> <laughs>